paranoia is in bloom The PR transmissions will resume They'll try to push drugs to keep us all dumbed down And hope that we will never see the truth around Another promise, another seed Another package lie to keep us trapped in greed You see the green belts wrapped around our minds And endless red tape to keep the truth confined Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Sess Show. Today is the day everything begins. And it's such a coincidence, right? I told you December 1st was going to be the kickoff, and suddenly uh, Omicron lands. What are the odds? HIV patient mutation lands here, and everyone's talking about how COVID, the silver lining is, is now they will have vaccines to save us from HIV, but they forget that they told us that all the vaccines had HIV banding. So confusing. But I think we remember hearing President Trump during the State of the Union address where Pelosi was ripping apart papers that we will have the cure for things like HIV within 10 years. All seems like it's going to plan. Well, today I thought I would express a little bit of jealousy Right. I'm kind of jealous of the state of Maryland. I wouldn't say that <laughs> normally. They have uh, a fantastic candidate running for, I mean, for all offices. We've got mayor. Uh, we have, uh, what else? We have mayor. We have governor, Senate. And Senate is a monster of its own. So without further ado, I have a guest on tonight. A guest that, uh, you know, Knows a lot, says little. Well, no, was kind of said a, a lot of things that opened up eyes, and um, uh, is actually taking the challenge of uh, running for Senate. Um, so, Doctor McGreevy, welcome to the Tory Sess Show. How are you this evening? Thank you very much for having me. I'm doing well. Super. I hope everyone's recovered from the trip to fan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what uh, I wanted to ask you, John, uh, you know, why is it that you decided to run for Senate? Because, you know, Congress is doable, but when people enter the Senate, they change. So it takes a lot to decide to, to do that. Well, uh, I don't think anybody really argue that. I don't see things coming down the pike. And I knew, like I said, many of us, there was a handful of us that knew about the fraud that was coming and what happened and put it out beforehand. Well, I know what's coming next. You know, their big plans next are for the next election, 2022. And they are looking to gain a two-thirds or supermajority. They want to change the Constitution. As bad as things are now, at least we have the tools to fight. We have our rights. If they get what they want, the majority, those are gone. They take away all your tools to fight. Yeah, so no, I agree. And so while people are getting in here and kind of easing in uh, from all the channels, I I didn't stream on YouTube today. I should add that in there, actually. Um, I I want everyone to understand that right now, the 2022 special elections that should be happening are going to be kind of different. Uh, There's a lot of people that are running that would never have normally run. And a lot of people that want to see change. And like uh, John expressed, uh, they're coming after the Constitution because that's the only thing you're still free on is the Constitution. The Constitution is the only thing that is maintaining our freedoms. 
So, John, I want you to kind of introduce yourself to everyone because this, these are the type of people that we need running for office. So I'd like you to, you know, have the floor and kind of just introduce yourself to everyone. My name is John. It's John here to help on Twitter. So we may have seen that. I very cleverly added an H to throw people off. It's actually J-O-N. <laughs> I don't want to brag. <laughs> that was so incognito. How incognito. But, uh, I have a background in sciences before I went in the military, and then military and intelligence background. And I've worked on campaigns in the past. I've had family members that held office as high as governor and worked on different campaigns, and uh, never really liked politicians. <laughs> but, you know, it was like, oh, our person lost, our person won. And then in a few years, the pendulum swing the other way. It's like, now it's payback time. But it's different now. Now you have both sides, everybody working together to get what they can out of it and screw the little guy, control everything. And it's not the way it should be. You, your voice is being drowned out daily. We can see it everywhere. No, I was going to say, and you're, and you're right. The voice of the people is being drowned out because they don't have proper representation. Uh, the people are not being represented. Uh, you know, I don't know what you, you know, guys, everybody knows that when I have people on, there's interviews and then there's just chat, right? Let's go because we have a lot to talk about and you are someone that has a lot to say. So, um, I wanted to know, obviously the motivation to run is because you knew what was coming and you knew the attacks that were coming. This has been well thought out. Um, the corruption is, is, is more than anyone would like to know about, um, and the evil behind everything too. I, I was thinking, uh, do you want to talk Biden? I'm just saying, uh, I, I want to, I, I just want to ask if you want to talk Biden. I don't know. You tell me if you want to talk Biden, because, you know, I've been up to my eyeballs with, uh, you know, uh, looking through Hunter Biden's laptops and phones. And I've gotten to know like Hunter very well. And so I, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about it. I mean, you're running for office, so I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't want to say anything. You know, you're running, and I want you to win. And I will be. I, I don't know. Can I contribute to your campaign? Because I'd like to do that. I would like to do that. Certainly can. Anybody can. I appreciate it. I know it's not easy now not with guests soaring and everything else following. But if you can, it's all very carefully managed. We're running an open campaign, not just because of what occurred, because we're a lot of people just don't know the process of how to register, how to run, how to get the job. And we're hoping by running an open campaign, we can show other people how to do it and get involved, get in there, get at any level, but get in there and work. I agree. I agree. And an open campaign is important because, uh, you know, if, if you're running, just running, uh, the people will fund anyone they want to have them represent him. That's the way it is. It, it was always like that, wasn't it? We elect people so they can, uh, <laughs> so they can represent us. It seems like we're not electing anyone for at least two decades that I personally know of. Uh, so uh, how does it feel running for office when you know, if we can't fix the way the ballots are counted, it might not mean anything. Uh, I hear that a lot. I hear it everywhere. And, uh, people are asking, what can we do to fix the 2020? And we must always keep that in mind. But those tricks are not going to work as well. People are awake now. They see it. They know what happened. They're looking for it now. So 
that it will happen. It will happen some. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm going to Windows Selection because I got a Xerox machine. But the, uh, what they're doing now is they're trying to control both sides of the campaign. So they have, say, the incumbent. They're going to try to bring on another big name that they like, that they work with, to run against them as the opponent. That way, either person wins. They, they still stay where they are. They're still in control. So where the tricks with the balance and things like this are not going to work as well, they will control it. Here in Maryland, we have Chris Van Hollen. They're trying desperately to get uh, the current governor, Hogan, to run for the Senate with no intention of winning just so they can control and lock out everyone else. Maryland's done this for a long time. We are trendsetters in that. There's a lot to be proud of in Maryland, but there are problems. We have some great people so we can fix them, but things have been going on for a long time. They've just gotten so ugly, so blatant and in your face that everybody sees it and they can't get away with it as easily. Yeah, so we're seeing that. I mean, in Maryland, it was always kind of like uh, the the suburbs of D.C., right? <laughs> and so a lot of the swamp fills out that way if it's not going over the river to Virginia, right? Um, what do you think uh, the biggest thing that uh, Maryland can bring? Because, you know, I see things, I guess it's because I, I, I work so much in foreign territories. I see things as strategical points, right? Maryland would be a strategical point for people to gain their um, freedoms, uh, to be able to take a stand and be an independent state. Uh, what are your plans, like going into Senate, what are your plans of doing there? It, it's been like that for quite a while, uh, even on a smaller scale where something was done and you know, a decision was made in Washington and it starts to reverberate out to the country. And if Maryland put a stop to it quick, it didn't go much further. We, we were like a soundproof booth. We could absorb them and we just kill the idea quick. But it's been powered over and it's already started. You pointed it out. Uh, you know, we've seen the uh, P resident uh, Biden up here in Maryland multiple times, going to the port, going here, going there, working with Hogan, you know, trying to enact stuff to, to bypass that safeguard. Marylanders on either side have a good head on their shoulders and they put aside policies to do the right thing, to hire the right people. And they're trying to cut that out already. They're trying to get Hogan to control the race for Senate so they get their person in. But they're trying to calm it down already so that Maryland doesn't have that quieting effect on their poor decisions coming out of D.C. So, um, Dr. John McGreevy, I might have to ask, like, you know, the Senate, having worked in the intelligence community, you know that the Senate is a monster of its own. People that enter the Senate never come out the same. So how do you feel on entering that domain? Well, uh, the biggest problem that people will see going in or, or when they go in and they get changed is they feel like, I made it. I'm on the inside. I know stuff other people don't know. And now it's about me. you know. And then the perks start hitting and, and you know, whatever. And they, they're on the inside. They're a special person now. They get their special ID. But they're one of the privileged few. And the money starts coming in, the opportunity, the, the knowledge starts coming in. They like it. The difference with me is I've been an insider since I was a kid <laughs> working on stuff. And I've given away fortunes. I've given away a medical process that was worth billions. 
I gave it away to help people. I couldn't care less as long as the people were helped. It wasn't about the money. So I've already had the access. still do. I've given away the money. So it doesn't matter. I've already been there. What they're so impressed by is not impressive to me. I've had more. <laughs> and the Lord has blessed me so many times over. I give it to people, give it away. These different things. So when I get there, their stuff doesn't impress me. They're not going to schmooze me and, hey, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You cover for me, and we can make this easy on you. So I'm not covering for you. You're a scumbag. I'm not impressed. See, I'm not intimidated. Yeah, but the thing is, this is what this is what a lot of people, I know you're different, right? I know that for a fact. Right? You are different. But a lot of people that are a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed uh, that go in there, they get embraced by the GOP or the DNC, and then they walk in there, and they're like, oh, I'm going to make change, because nobody does anything with malintent at heart, right? Uh, we have to understand that a lot of people, right, they want to do good, but then, you know, that kind of changes and evolves, right? And it changes. So the, 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 the thing is, is you're going to go in there and there and, and I'm praying that in these special 2022 elections that a lot of Americans listening right now will decide to throw their hat in the race because they want to make change. So the question is, let's pretend let's pretend that in the Senate, not Congress or mayorships and governorship, but in the Senate, only a handful actually get in. Now, at that point, if you're one of very few, how do you help bring light to things when they can censor you, kick you out, tag you? You know how that works. I don't have to tell you sure. that. You know how that works. They will get you out quick because there's little stipulations. It's kind of like those uh, teacher unions agreements where they have like this little paragraph that says, well, if some teachers think you're crazy, then we have the right to commit you and fire you. There's a lot of those stipulations in the Senate, too. So... Uh, what do you, what do you, what do you, how do you, how do you tackle that? They have stacked the deck in their favor for decades. Just like in Maryland, if you wanted to run independent, you can't. You can't primary, you can barely, you have to get ballots, and the, the gatekeepers are already throwing out ballots of people who are trying because of that. Same thing in the Senate. They've been building their own protection into it because there's no one there to stop them. They're there to safeguard against it, and they're building their own protections. So it's not like I even have to go in and confront every one of them head on. Got no problem doing that. I mean, what are they, 90 collectively? I mean, come on. But it's not a physical thing. I don't even have to challenge them on each piece. I can just inform the people, show them what there actually is being done with these 1,500-page declarations. I can absorb all that. I can digest it quick and get the dirt out and show people. That's not a problem for me. I don't have to attack every single one of them. I can just inform the people what's actually being done. Let them make the decision. Then what? Are they going to get me out then because I'm informing the people who put me there? I work for them. That is my job. So like, like you said in, in Maryland, and you know what? People are complaining that your volume's too low. I'm going to, um, so when you're speaking, I'm just going to ask you to like, I don't know if you're wearing a headset or or if it's close to you, just when you're, when you're talking, come close. And then when you're not just step back, you know, um, so that way okay, so it's, it's probably your headset. Maybe you want to fidget around while I, while I reiterate what you said with the little thing. Um, so basically running for running for Senate or any seat 
in um, the in in Maryland would be very difficult. It would be very, very difficult, right? Because what happens is they want you to be part of the parties. Remember, guys, how we talked about the DNC and the RNC, how um, DNC, RNC, GOP, we need to dismantle that. That's like an MLM scheme. So basically, they want you to hold, uh, to grasp you, and if you give them money, then they will uh, promote you. It's an MLM scheme. And then in the end, you're giving money to the guy you want, but if the GOP says no, no. So, John, I see that the governor that's running, too, in the state is also running without being on a ticket. Um, I, I think that everyone should be joining arms in that. And if they don't put you on the ballot, then we can have one of the biggest write-in campaigns that state's ever seen. Uh, uh, Mrs. Hogan has announced he's running, but not for what? He won't tell anyone because he's sorting out deals. They're making all kinds of promises to him. Do this, do that. He wants to be president. There's talk about him being a VP for someone. And because they know that you know, um, the P resident is not re-electable, and no one likes the VP. <laughs> uh, but uh, they're they're schmoozing Hogan so much he's probably can't sleep at night. Just to even come in, and it, it's difficult to run in Maryland, but not impossible. They just want to control everything. You know, if you actually register for, to run for an office, many times, <coughs> pardon me, people, excuse me, you have to put down what office you're going to run for. And apparently, he can just say, "I'm running," and run for anything, register, but he doesn't have to put down his office because he's special people. And they just claim it's a security issue or something. So he, has, he doesn't have to do it. That's the way it is. They always their own. They always groom their own. They always they always place them where they want because it's deals, deals, deals. And I, I've seen it. I've worked under one, two, three presidents. Right. Uh, the last one, uh, nobody liked. Right, <laughs> Obama. And I've seen firsthand what they do. And um, I I could swear. John, and this is a little bit, you know, here's where we have to kind of step away from conventional thought. I'm, I'm being straightforward. People that have entered the Senate, aside from the self-preservation and loving the gym membership and all the attention they get and a bunch of staffers willing to do anything to get their attention, um, I really believe that people change there, like actually change. Like, they're not the same. They become very different. Now, the, the poison of power is a big thing for people that have nothing to offer. See, people that have something to offer to their communities, to their environment, to their people, to, to the world, uh, do not get drunk on power. They don't even acknowledge, uh, you know, they, 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 I would say, they, and it's not acknowledged, they don't, they handle it with care rather than carelessly. But um, I actually think people like really change, like they become completely different. I mean, I saw it with um, Congressman Kramer. Uh, you know, he was in North Dakota, the congressman for a very long time. Uh, sweet guy, fantastic. Then he goes to the Senate and it's just um, he got this black eye and then he just changed. Hmm. Black eye, huh? Yeah, I'm just saying that's that's what happens. So I, I I am concerned in the fact that we need to have a majority. We need more people. We need you to inspire the many to want to run. 
so we can replace those that are there. I guess I suppose part of it, I look at it differently. I don't think they have any power at all. They have a ton of authority, way too much, but I don't believe they have any power. Well, they mistake an authority for power, right? Authority is being treated like power. Yeah. Sure, sure. And I mean, people often refer to as power, but to me, it's like you could be replaced one day later and it's all gone. So you don't have any power. You have a ton of authority. So it just doesn't impress me. You're there to do a job, and you're abusing your privilege. You know, it's no different than you know, a police officer on the street abusing his authority. I've been through that. So to me, it's the same people, same type of attitude to get in there. And they're they're so desperate to hang on a little bit. I know how they do it. They put you in the bag committees. That you know nothing you 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 proffer will go through. So at the end of your term, when you run for re-election, you've done nothing. Of course, I mean, it's, it's just a form of control they have. Yeah, they take a lot of orders, too. It's like nobody can fall out of line. It's all as if, you know, they just fall in line and they continue on to the beat of the, you know, they march to the beat of the drum that they follow. And sometimes they give us the impression that they're not a uniparty and that each of them have a choice or they have a voice. But it's very seldom that we see any action like that. So, I mean, what uh, considering your experience and for those that have read your whistleblower transcript. Uh, I want you to tell me uh, how how do you feel about entering with all that into that sphere, like as a, as a person, right? Uh, it's not a problem. One, I'm intimidated by any of them. I'm damn sure not impressed. They, they are constantly saying these hallowed halls. It's like they're not hallowed. It's a building. Okay, you took any mention of religion out of them. And you just desecrate them by the, the crummy work you do and, and violating people's rights. So don't give me the Howard Hall crap. This is a building. And you're doing a crappy job. So it's like having to work with scumbags is nowhere near as bad as what they've already done to me. They'd be telling me, frame me, put me in there, and I live with child molesters. Okay, so if I can survive that, this would be a cakewalk. So. Yeah, because most, most of them, you know, are compromised that are in there. And that's the thing. Uh, because... You know, I I read your transcript when it was the stuff that you were talking about Biden, and I'm so glad that someone actually said, you know, that Hunter Biden was also abused. And I, I want people to understand that these people that do such in- disgusting things, right, uh, they actually do it to their own. And that's what's the most disgusting part about it. Uh, they offer their own. And they... They do things to their own. And these are the type of people that you're going to be seeing every day. I would get sick just watching them. Oh, sure. I'll be swallowing a lot of bile, but I'll deal with them. Let them expose themselves. It's easy. Their their own degeneracy is what makes it easy to expose because they cannot stop. And they can't buy everybody. There are people who can't buy. It's not going to work on me. I've given away more than you can offer. I mean, I offer stuff right now to keep my mouth shut. It's not going to happen. I also was threatened not to, just, what, two weeks ago about uh, exposing information. It would be felony, uh, content and contempt, blah, blah, blah. So for an ongoing investigation. So we can talk about that later if you want. But it's, uh, no, no, yeah, we should. We should talk about it. I mean, we should. I, I myself, you know, have worked with the worst of them. The worst. And the thing is, you know, uh, you know, when you when you tell people that there are people that literally do not exist, right? Meaning 
it's like they don't exist because that's how horrific their layers upon layers upon layers of fabricated authority is, right? Where they garner power. I think the the population in the United States right now is starting to see it. You know, kind of like when I when I opened today is World AIDS Day, right? And it wasn't and it wasn't. Uh, uh, what, hold on, I think I pulled it up. The first time I told people about HIV and vaccine, right, was the first of January, 2019, telling them how you know there's HIV viruses in your flu vaccines. And I kept kind of, you know, making sure that people knew that there was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then on March 2nd, I was introducing them to vaccines and HIV. And then on in April, I made it clear, yep, coronavirus sure looks like HIV. And it so happens that they use HIV banding in the vaccines. And now suddenly these COVID silver lining is we may have a cure for HIV. I mean, it's kind of like people are going to start being able, slowly, they're starting to be able to reverse engineer their BS um, of all these fabricated layers of stories. And what they're going to find is something tremendously ugly uh, within uh, their nation. Uh, And that's because they were mesmerized with advertising and busy picking out backsplashes rather than paying attention. You can't fault people for that because that's been going on from probably the day they were born. So the dispelling of, you know, to to dispel, I guess, to break the spell that the people are under, uh, more people like you should be running. People that aren't afraid to put it out there, people that aren't afraid to break the confines of what people consider truth. Because truth, they say, is stranger than the fiction. That's only because truth has no bounds and no boxes to fit in. So tell me, what do you want to talk about? I'm like super excited when I, you know, when I saw on Twitter that you were going to run, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. So <laughs> I was thinking, we need more. We need a lot more people to be running that are just like you. I, I Tell me what you want to talk about. Anything you want. Well, they can, they, I will just help them expose themselves. Many people know it. There's, it's been around for, I mean, it's like the, the worst kept insider secrets forever. It's just like, Hey, when, let's go, John. Uh, let's pick one. Let's go. I'm when, pretty much read in on most of the stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, when like a coronavirus hit, um, uh, back in 2019, I told people this stuff was coming. You'd be locked down in your house, and people gave me the, they called me the nastiest names. And <laughs> there we were. And I, I told them, I said, I said, I said, many people aren't aware. I said, like, the Congress has their own private pharmacy where they don't even need a prescription. They can just write down what they want, and it's shipped, no questions asked. There are no records kept. And I got more name called, <clears throat> and then they found it. And it's like that. And if you remember the speaker Pelosi actually said one time she's playing doctor for people. Yeah, she was she was writing stuff for them to get. She's writing prescriptions. And you didn't even need one. And this pharmacy just fills them come But they have they all had um, uh, their staff members over there getting full commas of you know hydrochloroquine, all this stuff, everything. They were all over there getting Z packs and all of it for themselves and their staff. Right mm-hmm. in the very beginning, mm-hmm. the pharmacy was yes, inundated with it. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. They knew what it was. They all knew. And you know what sucks, Sean? Like, uh, so now this uh, Omicron, right? Uh, aside from the fact that people are starting to look crazy online, right? They take Delta and Omicron and then they start to, and it's like, stop. They're going from alpha to omega. 
And then they're probably going to recycle maybe another Cyrillic alphabet uh, because they're going to perpetuate this as long as people comply, right? So, sure. uh, so it drives me insane when I see people, you know, decoding the word Omicron. It just means little O in Greek, right? It's the O. It came after the mu and the new variant that they had, but it didn't get much press. So nobody heard about it, right? We heard about the epsilon, the zeta, the lambda, right? The mu, but it was all just in the background. So when I see people decoding Omicron means media control, it's like, oh my, Delta and Omicron mean that. I'm, I'm thinking, oh my God, come on, stop, stop. Omicron means small O because Omega is the big O, which is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So well, they, they, they love doing Greek and Latin. Okay, they, they love doing those. But there's, okay, here's an example. When, uh, you know, this yeah. new variant, of course, it's in 2019. I said, when do we hear that it mutated and it's back? You know, they've, they've gotten away now where they can give themselves unlimited power and manipulate, bypass laws, manipulate the market. All they have to do is position themselves financially and then announce, oh, there's going to be a lockdown, a potential lockdown, and they just make $5 million. But even without doing the lockdown, that's how easily they're manipulating the markets now using this. And I've known it was released. I know it was planned. It was talked about. Wait for him. It did the work. Yeah. It's like you know the flu virtually disappeared. It's like maybe it's because it was those flu shots they kept pushing that were spreading it, and nobody everybody's locked down. They weren't getting a flu shot. Flu disappears. Ooh, weird. Now, another one. So true because they had that conference, didn't they, in 2019? All the governors, mm-hmm. Bill Gates, there. And suddenly they decided everybody needs boosters. And then the first people that were dying in March were all influenza B positive. So it was super weird. See, these will, with the introduction of HIV, banning, this will, now of course that's Fauci's child. My oldest brother, who's quite a few years older than I was, I looked up to him. And he was a major chick magnet until he came out as gay. He actually passed away because of HIV. He was in board Hopkins and uh, <clears throat> he, he knew Fauci from the work back and forth, and uh, he passed away from it. And so it's always been a topic that I've stayed in touch with because of that. So when it was introduced into like coronavirus, COVID, things like that, you know, later named COVID, uh, it, it fools your, uh, your immune system. It depresses it. But overall, this could make you sick for anything. Constantly sick, constantly needing massive amounts of medication, antibiotics, things like this. You're constantly needing care. What happens if you're just sick? If you don't die, what if you're just constantly getting sick and you just can't work? We have to rely on the government, don't you? That's why I called it a couple years ago, socialism and a syringe. Because if everybody's sick and nobody can support them, government. And a few and people left are... Yep. Right. So <clears throat> there's one that you won't hear them discuss at all. Because... It's coming when they want to release. There was another one that they gained and functioned. I did some work on that. It's part of one of my doctorates. I'm familiar with it. But they gained and functioned tuberculosis. So here's one. And they will not discuss it. Of course, they're not going to tell you that because that's coming. That's going to be one of the versions. But <clears throat> tuberculosis or consumption was very contagious, especially when you were breathing the air. You would cough, mucus, things like this. Wait, wait, wait. Stop one second. Let me just tell you something that's going to sound really weird now that you said TB. So I was looking at a story back in um, 2018 and 2019, you know, when they were starting to bring uh, migrants from Kenya and Somalia 
And uh, the State Department had agreements with states to um, resettle refugees through this thing called Lutheran Social Services, right? Which funds a lot of the NIH's stuff, which is so weird. But they bring the refugees in. In North Dakota, the state actually, I, I stumbled upon it because I have a friend of mine that's a, that's a journalist there. And he was like, they don't test them for TB. They don't see if they have latency TB. And that was a big topic. And I had tabled that. So I guess, wow, there it is, right? That's how they're doing it. The strangest thing is TB, of course, it's you know, mostly controlled now we have, but the gain-of-function one does not work, or it's not stopped, I should say, by the vaccines that we've all gotten as children or something. But TB is spread mostly through, uh, you can hug a person, something like that. It's, it's through the, the moisture of the blood, the saliva, the coughing, things like that. And you wear a mask, so if the masks were actually effective, why were there almost 11 million new cases of TB this year? Everybody wearing a mask. This was the year that everybody was wearing a mask because of COVID. And the masks aren't working. So yeah, TB is the next one or version of it will come back. The, these were the, the vaccinations and the endless boosters. It's like, it's like, okay, I fixed it. Wait a minute, you got to do this. And I got to do this. And I gotta, it's like, if I, if I need all these, you didn't fix it the first time. Okay. <laughs> you didn't fix anything. And like they're, yeah. they're, they're, it feels like they're priming people's bodies to be more susceptible to such constantly things. Right. Because constantly we're seeing that the people that get the, the shot have like an increase in their IDGs, IGMs, right? I've seen it. Some people have got, gotten such a big spike, but it hasn't been able to go down which is showing signs of like leukemia now. Other people are getting, yeah, too many clotting factors, right? Right. We, we have things in our body anyway that we just normally shrug off. They're there. We don't know that we go our whole life without a problem. But there are people who have a disease, who are susceptible to diseases. And what happens to them? They're constantly weak, constantly sick, and their lifespan is shortened. Many of them don't make it to 60, and that's what's being done. If you're constantly fighting something, now I have a lot of damage from the abuse I took. So because of that, my body is constantly fighting and thinking there's something wrong, even though it's, it's scarring and things, it's not going to change. My body doesn't know it, so it's fighting it. So I have to be careful of my immune system. And the same thing. These people have a disease and their lifespan is shortened or they're fighting it their whole life and they always need special care. Well, we're all going to be like that. Because whatever, we're constantly be sick. Kind of be weakened. Those those long term expensive government people, you know, the sixty plus age who need benefits and social security. Well, they're not going to be many of them left. <laughs> what a money saver for the government. Plus, it is. More conservatives. Who wants that? Yeah, and it's easier to control. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah, easier to control. Yeah. You just don't have the strength to fight or question it. You don't because you're scared because you might die, and at that point you just want help, and and that's what uh, that's what you know. I was uh, I, I you know I I actually have a completed degree in molecular and cellular biology, so yeah. So well, you know, at least you know. So many times I was interning as a student in different countries. At least I got one paper done. Right? It's like they because <laughs> I was constantly working. <laughs> Constantly. The education is so broad, but the, the, the education that I did was exactly for this time. Um, I situated myself to the person that actually had the answer. There was this um, 
researcher. Now he's actually a paid researcher at the University of Kentucky, um, a man from South America who had created, um, he's an epidemiologist, and he had found that there was a strong correlation between HIV and malaria. But he also found that people that were treating their malaria would not get HIV because they were on what? Hydroxychloroquine. And I can tell you, I was sitting next to him in one of those, you know, seminars that you do in, at the College of Medicine where you're looking at things from the New England Journal, right? If you're in, the, if you're in that journal, if you're in that journal, you died. And I was thinking, how can he not see that, eight, you know, that hydroxychloroquine is what's causing this not infection happening? Like, why can't he see that? Like, you could see that. How come that was never written down? And I feel like maybe it was purposeful. Maybe they wouldn't fund his research if he did. I mean, these are all questions that I have um, as to why good people like him, who came from a very impoverished country, um, didn't think to put that on paper. Well, it depends on the study. You know how it works. What studies funded? That's what you study. <laughs> it used to be people yeah. out there and they wanted to do good science. You know, and it's like, now we got stuff where it's like, eggs are bad for you. They'll kill you. Next year, eggs are great. Have six a day. <laughs> it's just who's funding the science. <laughs> and uh, things like, um, okay, like for a degree, people think, oh, it's extremely impressive. And, and I've been extremely blessed to be able to do what I've done. But um, a PhD in molecular chemistry and a um, or ID in molecular chemistry, PhD in molecular biology. It was a combined program. Between those programs, there's only about four classes that are different. We had to take an extra four classes to get the other one. <laughs> See, everything overlaps. It's just extra. Yeah, so that's, it is. That's how they run. There's a uh, gentleman, I don't know his name. You can look him up, but I believe he's a maintenance worker at a uh, college, an undergraduate college, and he's got like 50 different degrees, bachelor's degrees, because they overlap. So every year he just takes a different one. He gets a new one every year. Why not? I mean, I, I, no, why not? Armstrong had like nine, didn't he? Louis Armstrong, he had like nine of them. Uh, yeah, and, and you're right, because when I was, when I was studying, I was um, on the MD-PhD track. I was hoping that I could have finished it, but, my, but I got caught by um, my old bosses, and I was kind of fired. <laughs> so it didn't well, work out. Yeah, I know. Um, well, you know... The medical scientist training program? Was it that one or you did it on your own? Well, that's what I was doing. I was doing the IBS program, the MDPH route. But um, um, I had to abandon it because, you know, um, someone within the Obama White House figured out who was the one providing information to the Senate um, with non-attribution ways. And I had intervened in some questions about using drones, you know, and... Someone that was in the WMD division for the Obama White House, this crazy lady named Erin, I, I believe, right? I don't know this. You never know who turns you over, but you can pretty much draw conclusions, right? Um, outed me. And after that, I was kind of put in a corner. So I continued my parallels, you know. How do I get this information to the right hands correctly? Because, you know, a lot of people don't understand that when you whistle blow, it means that you're working with people and you blow a whistle and you tell, right? But you can't go to the Senate and Congress, right? You can't go to the media. We knew that. So you wait for the right time. And and, and you waited for the right time, too. Well, I had to. 
no choice there. I mean, uh, so when, uh, when the administration came in in 2009, everything changed. Everything that you were doing before that that was positive, that they lauded you for, that you know, couldn't believe you did it, everything that became negative. Then it became a way for them to see just how exposed they were, a way to track down people who were exposing them and pay them back. So after that, you had to sit on it until an administration came along, the Trump administration, where you could get everything out, where you could speak out and get it heard, and it would be looked into. And people think I've gone very quiet since Twitter, and I'm much quieter, certainly, but I've gone even bigger into the other realm and <laughs> getting it out there behind the scenes to the right people. So I, uh, there's, I'm on multiple cases now. The federal, most of it is sealed. I just... Well, I'll just uh, introduce myself to a case in San Francisco and <laughs> scared hell out of them. But <laughs> that's, that's a fun one to talk about. Uh, I'm not allowed to, but we're, we can if you want. So. Well, you can. You can, you can <laughs> hey, you know, I've tried to find ways to introduce myself, but there's no 201s on me. Okay? So, yeah, you know, how do you pull out from state secrets? You can't. Right. And that's if you know where to look. Those are unnumbered, unnamed. Right. So you always try to see where you can find ways to do it. So instead of me introducing myself, ah, I actually filed a case and I should be sending that subpoena for documents to John Brennan like this week. So I mean, that's the only way. Right. Because I know what questions to ask. <laughs> Tell him I said hi. Oh, my God. Well, we have a common friend, Rosenstein. Uh, uh, I already know. Like, you know, I knew. So, like, I, I read your, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this. You tell me no, I stop right away. But I read your transcript. And, you know, with the Seth Rich, I saw it from the DOJ side, you know, because they were the ones taking everything. So, you know, they were downloading it. Um, I wanted to know how the heck, you know, how did you feel when you knew that he was implicated in that? If you want to say it, you don't have to. I wasn't, I wasn't stunned because the whole thing was dirty, dirty trick squad. I mean, the whole thing was nothing but illegal. I mean, it would get so into that, especially some of them, like the uh, forensic expert, wink, wink. I mean, they would get so into just doing that. They would get behind on their regular job, which postponed legitimate cases or, or slowed them down. So uh, they were into it because they, it was fun and exciting, and they were making money, lots and lots of money. So when it came down that uh, Rosenstein was involved, it wasn't shocking. And I actually thought it was funny how it was done because Brendan doesn't like him. Brendan can't stand it. John oh, no, he can't. And the thing is, when I saw that they had hijacked the mind of the IT guy at the DNC, already planting the idea that Russians were in there and then wiped their servers. Well, you know, they were downloading all of this to find all of Hillary's emails to scrub it. So that way, um, when Linux would be forced to provide or the DNC, you know, because that was around the time that they were asking for all of Hillary's emails. They were just trying to say that that was happening so they can insert themselves. They, what they did was horrific. I mean, it was a multi-pronged. And, 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 and what's weird is, is that the Department of Justice had actually hired CrowdStrike in 2015. And they paid them just as they exonerated Hillary Clinton. I mean, come on. 
Yeah. And they were working with them behind the scenes. They were definitely part mm-hmm. of the Dirty Trick Squad. They were there the whole time. They were there at the, uh, the, the birthing of CSIPs, which had access to everything, unrestricted access. And you had some very, very good people involved. And then you had this core of scumbags from, you know, two or three people from each agency and then DOJ, CIA was in. And they were the ones manipulating everything. Well, they it's were. I mean, well, you, have, you, have, you have Rod, who uh, did this, did all this. And, he's, and now he's even, you know, worried before he denied everything. No spying. No, 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 Mr. Straightlace. And now he's out there defending spying. The exact same thing. And he's working at a law firm that is representing companies who are doing it. So, okay. Right. I mean, he no, 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 I agree. I mean, I saw him when he went to Canada. So Rod was in Canada talking about garnering data from the U.S. and sharing it during the Trump administration mm-hmm. as acting AG. Like, is this pure, pure insanity or not? Well, I mean, they can't help us up with brag. Uh, they 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 love it. They, they think they're untouchable, absolutely untouchable. When you were talking about the other issue, it was funny how it happened. Not I wasn't shocked when he got it, but it was funny because he dumped it in his lap and said, "Here, pencil neck, you know, you clean it up." <laughs> because Brennan is dumb. Yeah, and he is, but he's, he's dumb. He's violent. He is, and, and he, is he has no problem doing something with his own hands. Never did before, but he can't stand Rod. So he dumped it his lot and he cleaned it up. Make him get his hands dirty. You know, you know pencil deck. <laughs> so it's just funny how it happened, but it's not funny overall what was occurring. So. Well, you know what, uh, John, let me tell you. So uh, about a year ago, I went and I, and I was going to have a conversation with some people. Um, I thought we were just going to have a chat. Apparently it was interrogation, right? And through hand sanitizer, obviously biggest organ in the body, I must have been drugged with something. Maybe LSD. I'll tell you that the person that was interviewing me morphed into John Brennan. I almost pooped myself. (laughs) And then I started deceiving the person I was having a conversation with because I know how violent he can be. Because he's not smart. He's actually quite evil. Um, He's very evil. So I'm glad, um, you know. Uh, you stated that. And, you know, actually, someone who knew the interviewer said, oh, he kind of does look like Don Brennan. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's who you put in front of me, like, for real? I thought I imagined it. You know what I mean? I literally thought I imagined it. And just a couple of days ago, someone was like, you know, he does kind of look like Don Brennan. I'm like, and he introduced himself as John. So that was it for me. So you didn't even have to give me drugs. I would have been <laughs> not good. Thing, well, like, well, he's questioned. I mean, Brennan has been questioned before Congress or wherever. And people who know him avoid him. Now, if, if he was in court, if he was just an average person, if he was in court and an attorney found out his weakness, they would go after him mercilessly. But they know, the people who have dealt with Brennan know, and probably know that, you know, like you say, he's not very bright. So he can talk for a while, but once he gets out of his depth or he doesn't know, he gets nasty. And that's when he gets the look on his face and starts threatening all this stuff. So <laughs> it's like they just they stay away from that. They'll throw him softballs and leave him here, leave him there, but they'll never get past his comfort zone so he doesn't get nasty because then he'll lash out at them. He's going to be in a lot of trouble soon, so we just need to speed up this timeline because I'm kind of getting tired of it. Um, it's just taking a little bit longer, but I guess it's important that it takes 
it drags out like this, even though a lot of us that know what's coming want to move it along um, because the people have to see it. Sometimes you tell someone and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to see it. I mean, no one would have imagined that they would have been stuck in their house and not allowed to shop. You know, nobody, when you would tell them, oh, you're going to be forced to get the vaccine and you're going to be forced to wear a mask, they're like, shut up. That's his America. They don't do that. You're going to have to have a, an ID card. Like I said that in March with Millie on her show mm-hmm. at the end of March. And we taped that before the lockdowns, right? Yeah. Where people were going crazy for toilet paper and people were scared. And we said, you're going to be like, show me your papers, right? And everyone laughed at it. Like, this is America. You guys are stupid. And it's like, here we go. Here we are. Not only that. I know. Here we are. So, uh, you know, uh, what do you, uh, aside from the corruption, I mean, how's this? How do you feel about any of this coming out? I mean, I'm trying my best on my end to get it out um, through the courts, right? Uh, Sometimes dishing it out in public. People mock you. People defame you people talk smack but you do it through court and it works right because like you said the minute i put john brennan in a court and he can't answer questions then his true face comes out if you get in there huh if you if you if you get that far if they don't corrupt the system before that if they don't manipulate it uh, yeah I'm i'm in multiple cases and we have the right people named waiting for that opportunity and they allow them to skate beforehand. So. Yeah, they do do that. I, I agree with you. They do. They, 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 they block it. Um, I do believe that. You know, but the thing that I want to know is when they decided to select Biden, right, and they selected him because in Munich at the cyber conference, that's where they were discussing it. Biden's camp wasn't for it because he wasn't capable of doing it. And they said that they would take it home after the Ukrainian elections. They needed to fix that first, right? And then once the president announced, then Biden can announce his run. They said that in February of 2019, Yovanovitch was there. It was at the Munich Cyber Conference. So now we have Biden in office, which we all have so much of these dirty dealings he's done, perverted things. Have you seen the Hunter Biden laptop? Uh, Parts of it. Okay. It's terrible like i have a sanitized copy and i've seen the non-sanitized copy okay i only have the sanitized copy that is horrific that you know just just think at what state of mind these people have to put someone like that in office that they know exists you know when people would you know during the obama admin if you were getting into office they would donate their kids to these people first that's like a payment. I don't think people know that. You feel comfortable talking about that or no? I've discussed it in the past. Okay. So, you know, walk people through. I've, I've talked about it. The kids are the ones, you know, this is why I love Jeff, Jeff Sessions. You remember when there was a swearing? He smacked his hand away from his little, his little granddaughter. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was so incredible. The whole sniffing is because he can't wait to pounce on them. You know, and, and I've seen the way they act in front of them. Like I've seen actors, I've seen, um, you know, foreign officials, foreign prime ministers uh, that are around. Um, I've seen that with my eyes and it's the most 
th- that predator look comes and they get all excited. Um, there's pictures that I've seen uh, with Obama with children at the White House that the press is putting out. And I'm like, can people not see how they're looking at the kids as if they're like donuts? It, it makes me so sad. Um, I thought maybe you could talk. Yeah. They, they, well, I mean, I mean, he's obviously like that. He's, he can't wait for his payment. See, we go to someone, they want power. They're already filthy rich. Okay. And to them, they want more power. So if they're, they're already mega millionaires and they control a lot more money than what their known assets are. So you go to them and say, look, I want this position. I'll give you a million dollars. What's that? Nothing. They take a check, goes in the bank. They never see it. It doesn't affect them at all. But they want power. So you offer the children. And that's power. That means you're coming to me on your knees offering me your children. That's how much you fear me. That's how much you want something from me. That's how much power I have. And that's what they want. <laughs> More than the money. They have the money. So like I said, I actually talked about this in the interview with uh, Lynn Wood, the deposition where the children are the commodity now. No, they've in. always commodity, yeah. They've always been the commodity. And the thing is, you know, and I tell people children are trafficked for various reasons. Some are for uh, slavery, just to have them as slaves because they get off watching kids and beating them to make them do things. Uh, sexual slavery, um, sustenance, sustenance. But the majority of them are trafficked for uh, experiments. And, you know, nobody talks about that, John. Nobody talks about how most of the experimentation is being done on these children, uh, especially the ones that they don't like entertaining with anymore. Yeah, well, they're used until they possibly can't be used anymore. If they're used to the point where they're no good to them, then they're, uh, you know, someone else wants them. If not, they're, they're moved to the point where they will groom others. And if not, then you're just disposed of in whatever way profits them the most. So, I mean, well, you know, I mean, I was talking with a lot of people that are uh, parsing out, like, the Hunter Biden laptop. And I know that what Hunter Biden had done is animalistic. It's disgusting. It's horrible. But I also, you know, I actually feel bad for him, right? Because he was also presented on a platter to someone else. And not only that, he and his sister were, yeah, yeah. And he and his sister were victims of their own father, right? And and that hurts me just uttering it, right? Because that hits close to home, right? But yeah, and, and, and it's like he offered his kids to other people and he would violate his kids can we really i mean obviously he knows what's right and wrong but he was raised in that you know i feel so much compassion even though i dislike him i feel really bad because hunter was offered like crazy i mean look he sacrificed his wife and daughter and got jill and a little bit later they had a daughter to seal the deal and those kids have been abused like crazy Uh, i understand abuse abused as a child not sexually fortunately thank you lord but physically horribly my actual biological father put me in the hospital more than once all of us as an example i give when i was uh, about six years old now he was he was an electrical engineer he wasn't stupid by any means but he was always drunk and abusive so he worked a lot as a welder and in a scrapyard and stuff because he couldn't hold a job. He was always drunk. And when initially, when they got married, he was working nuclear power plants. 
But being drunk like that, he couldn't satisfy the requirements, safety requirements. So he also intensely hated the fact that his children were smarter than he was, all of us. One time, when I was about seven years old, I was home again, and he had been in a car accident, drunk, before I was born, and hit the steering wheel, you know, these old cars, and knocked out all his front teeth. So he had a big partial. So I was, uh, yeah, he's on the phone yelling, his time the phone was on the wall, drunk. <clears throat> I'm going out in the kitchen, I'm just walking out in the kitchen. He's drunk and yelling so much, his teeth fly out. So I laughed. I didn't go over well. Who wouldn't? Yeah. So beat the hell out of me, kicked me to where I couldn't move, got on the floor, pinned me down, and grabbed one of the big-ass liter Coke bottles that used to be made out of glass, and bashed all my teeth out to teach me how to laugh, not to laugh. So they didn't think I'd even have teeth for a long time. I'm so sorry, <laughs> So Tom. this is one reason we were taken out of the home at such a young age. My refuge was school. I was placed with cousins who valued achievement, so that was a big help. But we were split up. It's one reason my siblings were so scattered, because we weren't raised together because of this. So did I, you know, did I sue Coca-Cola? <laughs> did I take it down the other people? No, I tried to help people. So I understand Hunter's been abused, horribly. But, you know, you got to make That's your decisions. Choice. Correct. Okay, you know, you were abused. That's on them. What you're doing now is on you. Correct. And your excuse I agree. I agree. I agree. There is no excuse and they should be held accountable. And I just want to tell you, I'm really, really sorry. Um, you know, for what you endured. I'm, no, I'm really sorry. A long, long time ago, my teeth grew back in. They were amazed. My hair fell out. I was amazed, but it's, it's okay. It was a long time ago. And I've, I've used it to help other people. So, I mean, I know what they've gone through. I can commiserate. It's one reason I can understand what they're going through. And separate the two. It's like, yeah, there was abuse, but this is you now. I'm a victim that chooses to use it as a as a as a sword against crimes, rather than I'm a victim and sits there and wallows in their own sorrow. That's what's that's I'm I commend you for that. Like that is so good. That is so good. I mean, I I, I didn't have an abusive childhood, but I think my teachers did abuse me though, <laughs> but not at not at home. Well. Uh, we all had a bad. Uh, you don't dwell on that. There's no point. It doesn't uh, help anything. Um, my, no, this is back. There's a lot more out there now to help people, of course. If, if they're going through that, you can get help. Then the teachers wouldn't do anything. They would look the other way. And the elementary school I went to, I was literally in class by myself. They didn't know what to do with me. There was no thing to so I would sit in the corner, and the teachers were kind enough to bring in all their old college textbooks. Let me go through them. That's what I did for school back then. And then I'd trot off to the uh, laboratory. But, uh, you know, we were all taken out of the home because of this type of abuse. But you can't let it. Uh, I've seen my siblings who struggled with drug problems because of the abuse and overcame it, things like that. So everybody handles it a different way. I just channeled it towards other people, but not in a negative way. <laughs> so, 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 hey, so we share something in common. So you were kind of a nerd like me when you were a kid. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I was like a super nerd. I was a cool nerd, though. I think I always had humor, okay? I, I, I think I always had humor um, because I, 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 was a, I was a kid in the 80s, right? So there were programs in New York City. So for me, rather than them sit me in the corner by myself, they would actually send me off to college and, 
you know, take me on the short bus, not for because I was dumb, but, you know, they had the little buses for the for the nerds that they would transport to other places. So I would be at St. John's or they'd short take bus. me down. or columbia i remember when i was in the first grade they would um they would um transport me to um uh, bronx science and stuyvesant right in between because that one of them i would do you know math and the other one would be physics right uh it was actual uh more uh i would have to say it was um um what we call now quantum physics uh, because I was very good at visualizing um, the orbital spaces of atoms. And, you know, that was my thing. I had very good spatial and pattern recognition. So, you know, that sounds that sounds super cool that we were both nerds as kids. Because uh, I would be whooping out college textbooks at the library. And I would be reading stuff. And sometimes the words were too elaborate for me. So I'd just go straight to the math <laughs> and be like, yeah, this sounds better. I was a walking, talking quantum computer. That's how I started working with the government so young because I'm old enough that, you know, there weren't really computers around. You know, the, the occasional, you know, uh, VIC-20 and Commodore 64. But they, they still weren't around, so they still needed people to crunch the numbers. I never considered myself a nerd. I always thought my little brother was, all his Star Wars stuff. I built the stuff. He just dreamed it. You know, <laughs> he was the chess nerd. <laughs> but I mean, I would I go to school and I would read my textbooks, and then I would do martial arts, and I head down to HP White Laboratory, and I was the only little kid walking around carrying a 1911 because I was working on them, I was designing them. But this is very rural, so nobody cared. I mean, this was when you know kids would show up in the daytime with rifles because they walked to school hunting. <laughs> they would do some on the way home. That's pretty cool. The principal's though. offices. So, but yeah, we didn't have that in New York. We didn't have that. But but mine were mostly uh, government and military that were teaching us. Um, we I got to play with really cool computers too. Um, as a kid, I just got to play with the computers. So that's that's kind of cool. I'm I'm like I I you know you invented stuff. I didn't do anything. I think you were inventing me. You were inventing. I was oh, being I invented. Some- funky stuff. I mean, a lot of it was firearms related starting because of the lab there, you know, it was a ballistics lab. It's a world renowned ballistics lab run by my cousins in walking distance. So of course I'm going to be there. They hated taking me to the grocery store because each time they took a grocery store, I'd wander off because I'd pick a different aisle and I'd start one end and try to read all the labels and get to the other end. And I always kept track of where I stopped. I tried to read the whole store. I was a voracious reader. I'd read anything. I had horrible insomnia. I'd be up for three to four days on average. Three was common. And one time I actually went 11 days without sleep. They had to anesthetize me, knock me out. Because my brain just would not shut off. Well, that's, that's, actually, that's actually so cool. Because you know what? The fact that you're perceptive and that you read. I'm not very good at... at um, um, no, that's a lie. Okay. I am good at comprehending things. I guess I have a short attention span if I can't see what the outcome is when I'm introduced to something new. But f- this is a good thing because that's a that's a superpower you can actually use in the Senate because they drop these big-ass bills with a lot of pork in it. And <laughs> considering you're the piggy with the magnifying glass, you can pull it out, yeah. showcase it, and you'll be that's, like, I found it. You know, the stuff they, they, they don't have to be that complicated. They're like that on purpose. They want it to yeah. be complicated so that it can apply to anything reinterpreted later. It can hide what they really want. And I can sift through that. I can digest it quick and get it out for people. You have to read it to, you have to sign it to know what's in it. 
No, I don't. Oh my gosh, I worked on that, John. I worked on that. I worked on the mm-hmm. language portion. The 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 the. the <laughs> man, I, I know, I know, I know, and it's like. I, when I was reading the rest of it, you know, we only there was a team of us working on like two paragraphs. I was I was shocked. I was like, how is this even going to pass? And death panels, you know, uh, owning your children once they're in the medical system, like all these things that now are coming to the surface and people just, yeah, just sign it and then we'll figure it out. And it's like, this is how irresponsible people are. You know, I wanted to go back to 2008. I wanted to ask you a question. Speaking of elections, since it's kind of pertinent, right? Um, you remember the fraud that happened during that election, too? Like, where they had, um, where Karl Rove had, like, threatened the IT election director of the state of Ohio. It was a bunch. Was a bunch yeah. And the guy died in an airplane later. But Yes, seriously. Yeah, no, he did. He actually died in a plane crash before the things went to court. He was suing. Uh, he said, no, you guys were moving our results somewhere else and then sending them back. I, I mean, mm-hmm. how is it that all of them know and none of them stand up? Well, I said uh, quite a few times online that in um, 2018, there were not enough legitimate votes. What we saw in 2020 happened a great deal in 2018. They did not gain enough seats in Congress to take over the speakership. Not legitimately. So, so, and now they got away with that, so 2020 is even bigger. So it's been illegitimate, at least since 2018. Oh, you mean like our election? Well, it's it was illegitimate in 2016, too. I mean, if, if you know, their algorithm, President Trump broke the algorithm. Let's be, I mean, look at the record votes. I mean, come on, stop. Not everybody went out. There were a lot of people. We know that a, a lot of people are like, I don't want to pick between two different evils, right? You could hear that all the time, right? We have to pick between two evils, Hillary or Trump, because I don't like him. He's mean. Um, so the turnout was insane for the majority of the population saying, I don't want to go. So, you know, obviously they couldn't deploy their little fix it, you know, to balance their algorithm in the machines. So it broke and he won and they never contested it because they would have gotten caught. So then in, like you said, 2017, 2018, not legit. I mean, how do we get this fixed before 2022? 2022 is right around the corner. Less than a year. Uh, I'm keenly aware of it because I am running for office. Less than a year. I know. know. That's the thing. They are making it more and more difficult. Here in Maryland, they're actually... um, different agencies are against their own bylaws against their own regulations they are supporting other candidates uh, you know it's supposed to be equal time and yet they're already picking them candidates who are not really viable ones aren't going to go anywhere but they're picking them just to control both sides of the election i don't mean hogan i mean other people so they, they've already started they're going to pull out all the tricks like i said this is an extremely important election all of them are 2020 must be addressed but we can't live in 2020. Their lives are going forward. Health is deteriorating. Prices are going up. And the election's coming. And if they get what they want in 2022, the, the majority, they're going to take it all away. And you'll have nothing to fight. You know, you can stay here and say, I have the Constitution. It's going to be changed. I have the right to bear arms. No, that was taken out. Yeah. I have the right to redress a government. No, that was altered. It was. I mean, did you see that the district court in D.C. suspended all pro se filings because of COVID? 
Like, how is that even legal? It's not. And, and I mean, I don't know why people aren't filing anything to sue the D.C. District Court for excluding the people from using the court. I, uh, it's, it's not legal. And it can't be seen. You can appeal that one quickly. You have the right to redress and grow so much, especially as pro se, that you're entitled to more lenience from the court. Not, not special consideration, but more lenience from the court because you're not learning the law. I submitted stuff from prison that was in half ink and half pencil. And they had to accept it, even with my handwriting, <laughs> because <laughs> they, they had to. Because not everybody had access to a computer or a typewriter, stuff like that. And it was one of the very oldest laws that you know, many things back then were handwritten <laughs> and, and put in the court. So it stayed there. They had to accept it. And still proved my point. Still got it through. But to them to just say, oh, if you're pro se, uh, you, you can't do this. No. Pro se is on the books to make sure you can address the court, even if you can't afford an attorney. Or if you can't find one. I'm going pro se in a case in San Francisco right now. But I'm hoping to find an attorney. And they have to accept it. And and I don't understand why we always have to find an attorney. I've been battling that on the federal court, you know. Uh, but my judge, I, I, you know, for some reason, there's got to be something there. He seems to be more important than we know. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's he was he was asking me to cite law. And I was like, are you asking me to cite? I was a pro se. Right. <laughs> and then the day that I arrived for our first hearing, you know, people started making appearances. I was like, who that? <laughs> That's exactly what I said. And they were like, oh, it's me. And I was like, well, who are you? You're not on the thing. Oh, I filed. And I was like, okay, so I have no electronic access, right? How am I supposed to know who you are? Oh, I filed it this morning before our call. So they're trying to deter pro se's from going. I mean, if you, <laughs> if you listened into <laughs> my court hearing, it was the judge telling me I'm not allowed to file 3,000 pages <clears throat> because it's not etiquette and he's not going to go through all of it. Um, but it, it was actually quite interesting because I kept saying, this is the people's court. I shouldn't be forced to have an attorney. You can you know? file as much as you want that you think is appropriate for your case. I have filed some that are five or 600 pages. And they're like, are you serious? I said, I'm very serious. And there's a stipulation there that you have to sign off on each one you read or initial it. And if they don't want to do that, it's like, well, you have professional insurance, just like a doctor. And part of your professional insurance is you will do your job. If you're going to refuse to do your job because it's just too much for you, your violation of professional insurance, it can be removed. Your bond can be removed. So <laughs> they don't like it when you say that. Now, no, the, original, the, the original arrest in 2009. Everybody screams, he's a felon, he's a felon. Um, I fought it pro se for three years after that and won. I proved it, they lied, proved it was fabricated. The police backed me up, post office, FedEx, ATF, they all backed me up. Prove it. I won, got the court order re uh, reversing it in my favor with prejudice. Gone. And the state's attorney threatened the judge and had her rescind her own order and reverse it again. That state's attorney's now been permanently disbarred, Cassily, <laughs> for doing exactly that with multiple judges. The, the agents put me in charge. One's in prison. One's wife died mysteriously. <laughs> the, the other one's under investigation. Uh, we just, they've all been outed as scumbags. So you know, call me whatever name you want. But I approve the thing. I even want it pro se. 
I remember the court thing. I just, I went off on them. I, I loved it. I thought it was fun. I was in there for like four hours in this case. And they were the, the state attorney wanted to introduce this stuff paper. I said, I don't agree with it. I said, one, I haven't gotten a copy of it. They gave me a copy. I read it. He said, do you agree with it? No, it's wrong. I said, it's completely wrong. I said, and this is not on the record. The record shows something different. So I had it all the way down to, I agree that he's handing you a piece of paper. That's all. <laughs> nothing whatsoever. Right, right. I challenged every little thing. And, of course, the judge turned around later, let him put it on the record behind, you know, after the case. It was like, great. But I still won. So they have to let you do pro se. It's anything you can. Uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you that the, the, the response that I had filed to the motion to dismiss enraged the lawyer so much that they literally made their whole response to my response to their motion to dismiss on how pro se shouldn't be allowed to be in court. I kid you not. You can't even make this up. You know, you can't even make this up. So, <clears throat> Uh, you know, we have a lot of problems in our nation. I mean, today, World AIDS Day, suddenly they're coming out with, oh, we're going to get, you know, the, the cure for AIDS, you know, because they're anticipating, right? Obviously. So what are they anticipating? The fact that there's HIV banding in these mRNA gene therapy uh, <laughs> and people are going to get AIDS. And the more doses they get, those that are susceptible will then go from things like a pneumonia mm -hmm. so yeah. bizarre I mean, you have it you're weakened and common colds will kill you yep that's all you need common cold you know uh, uh, a little bit of a uh, bronchitis will take you out when pneumonia you have is what yeah when, brother. Pneumonia, exactly exactly so pneumonia yeah. will take you out in a heartbeat when your immune suppressed and what's funny is, is that they're constantly giving boosters that are causing people to get sicker. And so, you know, it was so weird when I saw, oh, the Omicron variant is coming from someone that it mutated that had HIV. And it was very specific. They made it clear that the Omicron variant is from HIV patients. So what are they going to tell us now? There's airborne AIDS. Jeez. Huh. Obviously, though, AIDS, we don't know happens because of hiv i would say it happens because of all vaccines at some point but i digress um but think people have equated hiv to aids right so now they're going to tell the world there's airborne aids well, what do they do forever <laughs> right you're not going to touch people you're going to social distance you're going to demand that people have yeah you have to wear a mask and all men are forced to wear a condom 24 7 well, that's what they're going to, they're going to convince people. I mean, yeah, that's it. They're going to convince people though, that that's true. Even though we know it's BS, we saw the numbers they had, they, like you said earlier, there was no flu. It disappeared. COVID cured the flu and a lot of other ailments like cancer went down. People. They are. People are terrified. Interrupt, but I do work at the hospital one day a week, and I nowhere near what I used to do. But I like to be in the atmosphere to help people, so I'm <laughs> like the most overtrained orderly they've ever had. But um, I get to, I get to at least stay there and stay current on things. And you'll see people. The hospitals are packed, especially around like Hopkins, Maryland, Mercy, things like that, around Baltimore, surrounding areas. Absolutely packed. People who are terrified even leave the hospital thinking they're going to be infected. Not realizing that it's, it's much more likely to be infected in the hospital. And they're, they're demanding COVID tests. One of their tests, they've had them. They get them every day if they can. 
It's so bad. Yeah. Nurses go up and they'll rub a Band-Aid on their arms. I'll be back in a minute with the results just to get them to leave. And then they'll go out and get on a bus. Somebody coughed and they're right back in there. They're camping out to do this. They're terrified. I, I feel so bad. They've hijacked people's minds. And the fact that they've already laid the groundwork out. Oh, you know, now they've equated COVID to HIV because today the whole thing of the news is, you know, why the HIV is closer to happening uh, because of COVID or now um, proven with COVID, mRNA could lead to an HIV vaccine. And Moderna develops mRNA vaccine for HIV. That was news months ago. And they're terrifying people. Um, I wanted to play a clip and I wanted to get your comment on it just so that people understand just how ridiculous this is, right? But I want you guys to take a look at this. This is a report from August talking about Moderna. Um, it's quite fascinating. I think all of you will enjoy to see how Moderna started its first human trials on an HIV vaccine. Take a listen to this. For COVID-19 scientists at work to develop mRNA vaccines for years, now they're using the technique to develop vaccines against other diseases like HIV and cancer. Kim Yun-sung provides a closer look. mRNA vaccines have been a major success in protecting people from COVID-19. Now scientists are looking into other applications for this technology that could be revolutionary. You know, the mRNA technology is something that hasn't been really used for HIV yet. So there is optimism that they may be able to develop a, a vaccine against HIV, but we have to wait until we actually see uh, positive, we actually see um, good results from it. Scientists have spent more than three decades and billions of dollars to develop a vaccine to stop HIV, but sadly to no avail. This mRNA technology, however, opens up a new door of hope. Moderna will start the first human trials of an mRNA vaccine against HIV on 56 uninfected adults as early as next month. The trials will end in 2023. And although no one knows what the results will be, scientists are hopeful because mRNA vaccines have shown promising results in reducing HIV risk for primates. Hey, John, I just wanted to point out something. Did you hear that correctly or was it just me? They're going to test it on 56 uninfected people. Did you hear that? Can you, are you frozen? Are you there, John? Oh, John, hold on. Did he freeze? John? No, no, I mean, I, I can hear okay. you. I can hear you fine. Okay, now I can hear you. Now I can hear you. I was going to say, did you, did you, hmm. did you hear that? They said 56 uninfected people. Yeah, they're going to infect them with HIV. They need, they need a baseline. If they were to take 56 people with HIV, they'd all be at different stages. They're not doing that. So they're yeah. taking 56 healthy people, tested them, blood work, everything, got a baseline on each one of them, and then they can see how they go. But they're going to affect them with it. Yeah, okay. Now, check this out. This is so weird. Again, in August of 2021, this is what happened with J&J. Check this out. This is nuts. And it's been working on an HIV vaccine using the same delivery technology as its COVID-19 vaccine. And sad news this morning the HIV vaccine in a trial in Africa was shown uh, not to work. This coming out both from Johnson & Johnson and the NIH, which uh, was behind the trial and the 
the vaccine as well. Uh, they showed that it was about 25% effective in preventing HIV infection in the study in Africa. They didn't see any safety issues, um, and they are going to continue testing this in a different trial in different folks in different geographic areas. So they do still have some hope this might work. Um, but this is just another disappointment in a long line of disappointments for trying to develop vaccines for HIV, which has just been incredibly difficult. This vaccine uh, used that same viral vector as it uses for COVID, but the antigen it delivered to try to recognize the, the enemy, essentially, in the HIV was much more complex because this virus has just been so difficult for vaccines to try to tackle. A lot of folks sort of noting this morning, guys, how lucky we got with COVID that we could figure out vaccines for it um, because it was a virus that was easier to tackle with vaccines. Guys? That makes me, as we always do, we think about the, what's really going on there, but behind it, Meg, it, it, it makes me think that maybe the, that the uh, HIV is very, uh, can very quickly mutate around uh, whatever the antigen used was um, and that it's not therefore conserved, that, that, that what they use for the antigen is not as important as the spike protein was, which is conserved with most of these SARS uh, viruses. So you think that, that, that probably the virus just gets right around the vaccine, I would think. I would guess so. I don't know exactly what the issue was, but that's been the problem with HIV in general. It's just such a wily virus that so many mutations, so many different forms that you have to try to get with a vaccine. Yeah. They use this sort of mosaic of immunogens to try to go after it. Whereas with the coronavirus spike, I mean, they figured out a way to stabilize it in this state that they could go after it with the vaccine. Uh, it's much, much different virus. And um, we're lucky that for this pandemic, we were able to develop these vaccines. All right, John, <laughs> you're laughing. I was... I was just like, I knew this. I mean, but how do you tell people, hey, don't get the vaccine? You're probably getting some AIDS, you know, because they equate HIV to AIDS, which isn't proven. Like, what are your take on this? Like, all of a sudden, it's mutated from an HIV patient, and it just made landfall on the day, right, on the day of World AIDS Day. And Moderna uh, had come out in June of 2021 to say that they're developing an mRNA vaccine for HIV. Uh, Pfizer didn't say anything like that. Uh, Moderna already started their first human trials. And now today, the news, ABC Chicago, um, uh, you know, and all of them are saying how uh, they have, uh, you know, why HIV vaccine is closer than ever. I, I want you to, to, to listen to this because this, I think, John, tells the world. And, and, and before we get to it, what do you think is happening here? They're going to use uh, HIV as a, uh, the carrier to introduce everything. Uh, lower your immune system, make sick of everything. But then you're, you're talking about weekly boosters for life. You know, uh, which company kicks back the most of which government official is the one who gets the approval. It's all about money and control. But on the medical side, the HIV will, we know what it does. And they pretty much isolate it to the point where they can attach it to anything they want now. But it drives your system wild, and you can't blame it on that. You died from, like I said, pneumonia, uh, asthma, uh, you know, anything will get you. Tuberculosis, flu, common flu killed a lot of people who were HIV positive. And then there's malnourishment. I mean, a lot of the patients I'd seen back then were so malnourished that they had uh, mold growing on their skin. And it looked like they were, like, an anorexic years down the road. Yeah. Because it's so compromised. Yeah, no, it is. I, I've, I, have, I have met two people that had HIV 
and obviously then went to what call AIDS, <clears throat> which, you know, we don't know if that's the case, right? But uh, one, one friend of mine had passed away from having sores in their mouth. And that got infected, and that was it. It was over from a, a cheek infection. A cheek infection. They had like a habit. Yeah, yeah. And so now they have this Omicron, which ironically, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to go on a whim here. Like if I was writing a movie or anything, right? I would go and take COVID vaccines with the spike proteins and inject them into Africans that are HIV positive. And even though I know that it's mutating, the spike proteins are causing other things to mutate uh, on normal people. I'd be waiting to see that to mutate in Africa. I don't know, maybe testing an HIV vaccine because today, listen to this. Look at what they put out, John. Like this, this is insane. Take a listen to this. Twins developed, developed and approved for widespread use in the U.S. in, in record, record time. time, but they were actually decades in the making. Almost everybody working on COVID vaccines comes from the HIV world. The clinical trialists, the companies. Moderna had been working on an mRNA-based HIV vaccine before SARS-CoV-2 was even known to exist. mRNA technology meant wonders for developing COVID vaccines, but its effectiveness in the fight against HIV is still unclear. We knew the human immune system could get rid of COVID. That's not seen with HIV. Essentially, no one self-cures HIV. mRNA is a very promising new technology. HIV is still an incredibly formidable foe. A crucial component to all vaccine research and development is government funding. Operation Warp Speed allocated about $10 billion in a matter of months for private companies to use toward developing a vaccine as well as treatments for COVID-19. By contrast, between 2000 and 2020, the U.S. government contributed about $12 billion toward HIV vaccine research and development. Just about every vaccine that we get today was developed by some private company, even though the actual research and development may have been a shared enterprise. We have really at the moment very little corporate interest in HIV. The reason at that moment it is, is that it's very risky. But the success of the COVID vaccines show the risk could pay off. If we leave exclusive control of manufacturing and pricing and distribution of life-saving medical technologies to for-profit companies, then the result is inequitable access. Okay, um, I'm going to pause it right there, John. <laughs> I just want us to talk about this for a second. Like, this is really bad. I mean, this is very bad. Because right now we have these people terrorizing everyone and yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. When COVID appeared, what was it that President President Trump, didn't he say that we're going to have the cure for HIV? Right? At the State well, of the Union address? The current P resident said, you know, if you vote for me, I'll cure cancer. So, you know, so Well, I'm just saying he did say that. He did say that. And, and that's because my... My thoughts, um, so have, you've heard of Cunningham, you know, that guy that worked in the CDC in the vaccine department that um, supposedly went crazy, went missing, and then this Navy juggernaut, very good swimmer officer turned up face down in the river. Do you remember that story that nobody talked about? Yes. Yeah. So he kind of figured that maybe the vaccines for influenza A and B were doing something. And he kind of maybe was read into something that blew his mind and didn't want it to happen. And so he was trying to find a way to whistleblow. But, you know, President Trump was covered with so many people. There was no way that you can access him.
because he had gatekeepers, right? So what do you do? <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm just I'm just I'm just going out on a limb here. What if President Trump knew when he came in? You know, because at the beginning he was like, you know, we need to separate these vaccines. There's too many, right? This that. What if he already knew that it was the flu vaccines that were priming to degrade our immune systems? Uh, what if he knew that was it, and that's why he focused on warp speed to get HIV done? Because, you know, in Africa, if you're taking hydroxychloroquine, you don't get AIDS. Mm-hmm. You don't get HIV. So uh, the question is, that's a Band-Aid for preventative measures. But once you have it, what do you do? So uh, these are just thoughts. Because here now they're showing the fear porn on this by saying, look at all these deaths, who profits? So are they going to say no one's going to profit from HIV vaccines, which is something that Fauci has been working on. And who was in charge of the COVID stuff? Uh, so wouldn't you put him in the front so that way he can pull his own pants down? Oh yeah, well, Fauci's been working on AIDS uh, since the late 70s. Yeah, since they invented it. Yeah, and like I said, the older brother certainly knew him. Back and forth. There's a lot of back and forth between Hopkins and CDC, NIH, things like that. And... Um, uh, have HIV. One thing they're talking about profits, of course, they can control who does what. But you have a lot of these companies, these big pharmaceutical companies, that worked on research that went nowhere. And they spent millions and millions, billions of dollars developing these, these vaccines or this or that. And it went nowhere. There wasn't a viable market. So they put it in the safe, you know, get the patents, everything like that, put it in the safe. Now that we have this pandemic, COVID, whatever you want to call it, Omega. Omicron, whatever. Now they're dusting off a lot of those. That's why you'll see the stuff popping up now. It's for COVID, and yet the patent was filed years ago. Because they're taking these losers that cost them money out of the, out of the storage, attacking it, you know, attaching things to it for COVID, and just saying, oh, it works for COVID. Here we go. And it's, it's, it's kind of the side of what you're talking about with the HIV. They're using HIV for a reason, what it does to the person, what it allows it to go through. Uh, Myrna is a messenger RNA, which uh, goes in and kind of tricks your 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 cell into providing an immune response. But HIV can stop that. So, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to cut out your immunity. You won't you won't be able to. Your body won't know it's sick until it's too late. Uh, exactly. And 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 the question is, why did all these companies use HIV as a band? Put these complexes together for the mRNA. And he, uh, they I, just I, admitted I, that it was so wild, so out of control that they could not control it because it would mutate everything. Why? Why would they use that one? HIV banding. Exactly. And I'm looking for that video. I played it on my show. I think I shared it in my Telegram. I've been looking all day because I have so many hard drives. I don't even know where the heck I put it. I stashed it somewhere for sure. But I had played the video where the Moderna executive was explaining how they use HIV banding, um, you know, because they know the virus so well, even though there's a, no cure, they just put a little bit of it. And it's like, hey, you put a little bit of it that's supposed to replicate, which makes it into a lot. Um, yeah, that's, that's like getting shot with a little gun. You know, so, <laughs> okay, it's, but a bullet that fragments and replicates. Yeah, well, the thing is, it's like they put it in, and they just admitted, you just heard them on that clip, say that they can't control it. it. It'll do everything. It mutates everything. And that's not what you want in science or medicine. You want 
predictable, repeatable results. This is how you prove hypotheses, how you get a theory, this is how you get fact. Predictable, repeatable results. And yet you're going to put something in there that you just said is completely unpredictable, mutates everything. So that's the complete opposite direction. Now, why would you want that? That's so it would affect the most people. Exactly. So. That way it can jump from one genetic uh, you know, um, standard to the next. Everyone is different. This is why there were variations in people that were able to get it. Uh, blood type uh, played a big role. Silent students, amplified students, uh, you know, um, MT, uh, you know, mtDNA mutations. Those all played a big factor on how you would get sick and how you would die. And you know, and and then here's the other one. Do you know what? I, I, I'm I'm so angry because I released information to journalists um, through you know their emails anonymously, you know, with non-attribution, showing that remdesivir was actually um, uh, created in China, in Wuhan. That the NIH actually funded the research of phase, phase three remdesivir. And yesterday, I was so upset because no one actually put that story out because so many people are dying using it. And so I showed my audience that remdesivir was actually pulled. They, they terminated the study in China because they said, oh, COVID's under control now within three months. So remdesivir was a research project that they deployed in China that we funded in Wuhan, China, where they kept saying the, 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 the virus didn't come from. But we funded remdesivir, and now that money we invested in remdesivir, they're making a protocol in the U.S. knowing that it's killing people. And I guarantee you that they're not doing it because they know it's a good protocol. They're doing it to test it because it's an anti, it's a retroviral drug, right? So anything with ear is retroviral, right? So this is crazy. So they're treating patients with something experimental, saying it's protocol, but they won't take hydroxychloroquine and they won't, that's been tested and fine, or Invermectin. They're giving them something that even the Chinese refuse to complete the study on. At least publicly. The Chinese military is not being vaccinated, same. They refuse. The, the UN, of course, doesn't have a military, but they have a lot of troops, peacekeepers from various nations. And although their home nation is vaccinating everyone. The UN has found a loophole, so they're not vaccinating their particular troops from any country. And yet we're forcing our troops to do it. It's one of the first things I want to do in office. Well, yeah, you need people to... who don't want the vaccination. Our troops are frontline, you know, law enforcement, everything. So they need protection. It's, it's horrible to say it, but they need it. Well, the, the thing is, they did that with anthrax, right? That's how Obama um, minimized our military force. A lot of people got out with autoimmune diseases, and all this stuff because they forced them to take the experimental anthrax. A lot of people stood up to it, but a lot of people took it anyway. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, they they, they did. Anyway, that's how he. Uh, that's how he crippled. Shot, yeah. Right. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, there's talk now that they want to come out and after the holidays, where um, if you want to stay unvaccinated after everything although the government requires it or wants you to do it, then you have to opt out of government benefits. You'll still pay your taxes and everything, but you won't receive any Social Security. Anything like that, you won't be eligible for you know, state benefits, anything like that. That's blackmail. You know, that's, that's horrific. And this is why, you know, I, I get really, really upset, Sean, when I see 
what good movements turned into under during the time that President Trump was president. We knew that we were draining the swamp. But in order for the president to have drained the swamp, he needed the actions of the people. And the people didn't really act. They didn't do anything. Because they had like this big movement of people taking messages and twisting them as if, relax, we got this. And nobody did anything, right? They took messages that were not intended to say, sit back and relax, we got this. They were putting out, there were messages of information, messages making clear-cut statements. This is this, this is that, this is happening. But then average people took that, said, oh, don't worry about it. Look at me. Let me show you. It's a secret message, and it's telling you to sit back and relax and enjoy the popcorn. Yeah, we've got this. You're watching a movie. Yeah, well, we are watching a movie. We all know that (laughs) what agency really controls everything that we watch, right? But the, the, the thing is, that's what they were telling them. That they took it literally, the watching a movie was pointing out the agency. But how do you wake up the population? How do you tell them, snap out of it, dude, no one's coming to save you. If you don't go to court right now, you might not be here tomorrow. Your family won't be here tomorrow. And if they are, they're probably in shackles. How do you make that clear? How do you make it clear? I, I, just, I discussed it. I discussed it before. It's like it's getting to the point where they want, I just mentioned, they want, uh, they, people have to opt out. If you don't want the vaccine, fine. You don't get any Social Security. But it's also for your pension or for your work benefits. You get a good job, so you get work benefits, take care of your family. But the insurance companies, when you're hired, will be able to say, or your employer will be able to say, we'd like to have you here, your experience, we want you to work here, but you get no health benefits. I mean, if you were willing to pay for them, you get none of them because they cost more. So this was your decision. This is our decision. Welcome aboard. You get no benefits. And this is a manipulation, of course. This it, is how they force is. you to get it. It is. And and the thing is, we got this, right? We, we, it's going to happen. Like, nothing can stop it coming. But the, 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 the liberation and people becoming free, whoever's left, right, is dependent on the people themselves. If we have 100 people now and they do nothing – or say five people do something, uh, the next year another five do something, but there won't be 100 people next year. There'll be 50, right? In the end, there's a win. But what are going to be, what are the consequences? Well, what is the situation of the win? Do you want to let it play out? Do you really need to see the boot on your face? Because that's exactly what's happening right now. And there's going to be a boot on people's face if they don't wake up. And it's so difficult so difficult. And this has already been scripted out. And it's kind of like, do you want to push the fast forward button and go to the end? Or do you want to sit here and, 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 and watch the whole thing play out? Because either way, it's over, right? This is the ending, right? We're almost at that peak. Today starts the peak, right? Where they come down really, really hard. How are we going to motivate more people. I mean, there's a lot of motivated people right now. They've been filing lawsuits, going into school boards, you know, um, demanding that attorney general sign on to this lawsuit there, you know, people need to be focusing on one thing and they're so sporadic rather than focusing city state uh, election fraud, you know, the vaccine mandates, the mask mandates, they're focusing on let's save this. Let's save that. You, we need to stop this. And it's like, this hyper-focused. Because we could focus on a lot of things right now, John. We could focus on Turkey getting, you know, Erdogan. It's a matter of days before they take him out, right? 
We've got the the Arab nations all in disarray. Uh, the Houthis are going to explode at some point, right? And they're just going to start all over again. So we're going to have disruptions in oil, right? This is how they cut our energy. And then, you know, we've got the Chinese moving in on Pakistan. We've got the Russians moving in. The Europeans, like, where do we start? There's so much going on. How do we hyper-focus people on things that, that they can make change today? How do we do that? You need to pick one thing. Um, people often pick one thing, and that's how they vote. Like, I'm, I'm for firearms rights, and they'll just vote for that down the line. You have to read more. So just pick, you know, if you can pick one thing there, you got work and you got family, you got responsibility. Time goes by quick. So pick one thing and learn about it. Read a little bit at night. Read 20 minutes a night on it. Learn about the thing. You'll eventually get to the end and you'll know what's going on in that one thing. And then you can stand up and fight for that one. I know a bunch of people now they are fighting for, uh, uh, fighting against the mask mandates for children. I went to a meeting just a few weeks ago. It was wonderful. People from all over, even out of state, didn't matter where you were, how much money you had, what color you were, it didn't matter. We were all there talking. It was great. But they were all there because they didn't want their children masked. And that's how you start. You get online. We're fortunate that we can get online and talk to each other anywhere in the world and learn. You know, they didn't have that always. So it's, it's been made a little easier there. And you can talk about it. Pick a subject. Pick one and file something. Go to court. Be the first one to stand up. You stand up and say, well, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know that. Learn. There's all kinds of resources. You can do it. It's not that difficult. I mean, you see these people on TV continuously, these lawyers just talking it right out of their ass. Okay, believe me, you can compete with them in court. Okay, you can file something that's effective. So, I mean, you can do it. I've met some brilliant people who were attorneys. I met most of them dumbasses. And you can compete with them, okay? You're fine. <laughs> Put something in. You know, and learn as you go. It's a learning process. And if they throw it out, do it again. <laughs> okay? Until you get That's the it. This Until you get the result. Exactly. And it's like story in the when you stop. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's when you lose. You only lose when you stop trying. That's the only time you lose. Because I had people, oh, your writ of mandamus was thrown out of the Supreme Court. Yeah. Governor DeWine's son was the one that threw it out, and he didn't even say why he's dismissing it. He said it's based on the merits, but didn't put an opinion. Who does that, right? So now I'm going to repurpose that and file it again in another place, and I'm going to keep filing and keep filing so I can be that woman in the Bible, right, that kept going to the court, and then the judge was like, fine, just give her what she wants. This is how we should be. We should be using the institutions that are protecting our rights and our laws. I, you know, here's a great example. Why is it that Biden's administration demanded that the case that we have now against OSHA in SCOTUS to be moved to the D.C. Circuit Court? Control. Ah, D.C., not a state. D.C. So he wants to move that case to D.C. Circuit Court rather than go to SCOTUS. He challenged it and said, we're not coming to the Supreme Court. So why would he do that when there's so many of us that filed? Actually, my me as a company filed too on behalf of the potential over 100 employees I could have. You know, it's a big deal. It is a very big deal. And he's, he's now just barred it. 
These are the things that they're doing. They're trying to keep us out of the courts. And this is why people need to be getting into the courts. So they need to keep going and going and going. And, you know, I, I love the fact that while you're campaigning, you're speaking to all these people that are brave enough to stand up, you know, and that that's your message to them. I really like that. Keep um, going. You're going to lose. If you follow something, you're going to lose. They're going to throw it out on the flimsiest garbage and then read their rejection, if they even give you one anymore, and refile it. And it's like, if you, can't, if you can't do anything, I used to tell myself, they're going to reject it. I knew it. So I'd learn from whatever they put in there. I would get smarter. I'd put it back in until I eventually won. But in the meantime, I'm annoying the crap out of them, and that's good for me. Okay? So <laughs> I'm getting my issue out there. So yeah, I don't want them to sleep well at night. <laughs> I want them to know not like me. Sound like me, John. That's exactly yeah. what I said. All of us, let's just file these writs. And more than likely, they're going to say no. We're going to get the answer back, figure out why they said no, and come again. That's exactly how you have to do it. You're just going to be relentless and keep going and going and going. And at some point, they're going to break. And if there's so many of us, they're going to break. You know, right? Right. I've met people who have tried a dozen times or more to get their Social Security benefits. They just keep going and going and going until they get them. And yet, once they have them, they just stop. And now when you get, uh, I think, Montgomery County in Maryland, just one county in Maryland, got like 4,600 unaccompanied immigrant children this year, excuse me, last year. My and God. So they're part of the county. Yeah. And so now your part of your benefits are going to be taken, the ones you fought so hard to get, are going to be taken to, to give to them. And you don't do anything about it. He fought to get them that hard, and now you're not fighting to keep them. So living for a couple of years, and now it's going down, and prices are going up. Eventually, you end up at zero because you didn't do anything. Well, you know, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you like a a, a little thing, <laughs> knowing Brennan how dumb he is, right? Um, so there was one time that Brennan came to the private contracting company that I work for that he set up before he became CIA director and explained what he wanted to do. But he said, because we don't know the territory, we're going to do it from the outside. And obviously, I was one of the best creating the scenarios to gain whatever result the United States wanted to gain. And the only way to beat any unknown territory or any system is to play the game within the system. And so you use the system you want to take down. So in order to beat them, you have to use the systems they use. What do they use, John, when they want to shut up whistleblowers? Oh, the courts. So <laughs> what do whistleblowers have to use in order to get things out there? The courts. The courts. <laughs> right. And if the people want to drag the truth out, what do they use? The courts. Because you're not going to get it from the news. Because how many people have come out and said their piece and have been either thrown in jail, dismembered, disappeared, died with cancer in privacy, died in airplanes, died in car crashes, right? How many? Tons. Oh, well, oh yeah. But it's so common. You think they'd put a mask on a car for safety. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm the hysteria we're going to see this Christmas is going to be terrible. We're going to take it. This is like Grinch. You know, it's a, I saw in my Facebook a very old post where I'd seen the smartest Christmas decorations ever, right? It was this big wooden Grinch 
holding on to Christmas lights that he was taking off the house. So the guy, literally, whoever had that house, only put like maybe five lights on his roof and the Grinch had the rest of them. The, the, the most easiest Christmas decoration. Right? It was, I was like, one day I got to do this because it's only five clips, right? Five big lights at the top of your gutter. And then you just put a big Grinch and you hold it. But this is exactly what they're doing. Yeah. I, I, I've never been artistically uh, gifted. So that's, that's funny. I like that. That's, that's good. Right. No, I found it. I saw it somewhere. I don't even remember what state I had seen it in. But I saw it and I snapped the picture and I was like, this is genius. I have to do it. I actually might do it this year. I'll see if I could get a big Grinch and then I'll wrap all the lights in his hands and just put like maybe one or two on my roof. But this is exactly what they're doing. They're stealing our Christmas to validate what OSHA wants to implement in January. And they're also parallelly creating false fronts. Do you know what a false front is? It's completely different. Everybody keeps talking about false flags. But it's the false fronts we should be talking about, right? This is a breast implants. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the pre-planning, like you said, where they pull these drugs out of nowhere that they've parked in a in a safe, right? And they implement. So they take these false fronts and they smack them with us. So they're going to come for your guns. They're already taking your kids. See. You know, I, I, John, I had all the moms that I could, and I was like, guys, everybody go to the federal court and file cases, pro se, not with the lawyer, pro se, to protect your kid and fight for your kid's rights for the masks. But obviously, there's bad case law that says we don't have rights over our kids, literally. That was the argument that I confronted, I was confronted with suing my daughter's school that had a mask mandate. She doesn't wear one. And when they tell her, you need to wear one, she's like, uh, Constitution, thanks. But, you know, she's now 16, so she has a mouth, right? But what about the five, six, seven, eight-year-old, right? So they're arguing that you don't have rights. The reason I did this is because we need to keep being relentless that we have rights. Because now I saw someone that saw it. That shit from Obamacare is now biting us in the tushy. Because someone was on my chat and said, oh, my gosh, they're asking me to agree that I'm, I'm granted proxy for my kid, meaning my kid is not mine. And now people are starting to find out that they don't have rights over their children. They can't defend the rights of their kids. That is, they're coming for your kids. Oh, yeah. And then this next election, 22, if they get the majority, what do we think they're going to take away? They'll just educate them any way you want. They won't well, be your kids anymore. Well, we're not, we're not, 2022 has to be special election. We have to have brand new. It's never been done before. We should have elections across the board for everything from president to secretary of states in our in our states to governors, to mayors, to council members, to board, uh, school boards, to everything. Everybody needs to be replaced. I mean, we need 2022 to be a special election, like really special. And I, I, I you know, you being super, you know, you're smart. You're a nerd. Cool nerd. Right. I mean, yeah, let's, let's, I mean, how do we do this? I mean, we filed federal lawsuits. We filed writs of mandamuses. Uh, people have also filed written mandamuses against their Senate, state Senate and state Congress, which is amazing, right? They're trying to hold people accountable. Uh, some of those cases are just sitting and doing nothing. Others are coming back with a big F you, right? What else? I, we filed in SCOTUS and it was rejected, even though it was filed under the all writs. At least we wanted it to make its way to the desk 
of Justice Clarence Thomas, it didn't go past the clerk. They're blocking everything. So obviously we're going to go back again and again and again. We successfully are in the 5th and 6th District. Now, what else do you think we should do to at least protect our, ch- our, our children? What else can we do? Uh, I'll say, like, you know more about it? I do. I am not an attorney. I always thought law was so Neither am I. I'm not right up there with that. history. But uh, it's just I was I was always moving forward, and uh, but uh, you could uh, first of all document everything, save everything, you know, the little tiny things that you think are nothing, throw them in a box because you know, down the road it's like, hey, look, <laughs> document everything, save it. Other than that, uh, you could get together, uh, teach children yourself, uh, keep it under certain limits. I mean, they're just going to keep tightening up the limits, so it's going to be tough to do. You know, now you can have this one, you can have that one. Uh, speak with your churches. See what they can teach with Sunday school. Expand Sunday school into the weekly school. And do the regular curricula there. You can still teach children without going to these government schools. And it works if you work with each other. You can't, it's near impossible to do it on your own because you just don't have time in the morning. But oh, I know. I'm, like, I'm like more like, no, let's be bolder. Let's be, let's be louder. I think we should be super louder. You know, right now we're seeing a shit ton of resignations across the, across the board. Right. And you know, this is, this is what sucks. We're seeing uh, so many resignations, so many people not running. So people are now because they're so hopeless, they're jumping onto the idea. You know, there's, there's rumors that people are already arrested. And executed. And we all know that those are in sealed grand juries right now anyway. So it's not happening right now. So it's not happening right now. You can certainly be louder. (laughs) You can be out there and you should. Don't let anybody make you silent. But I'm talking about day-to-day survival, keeping everybody healthy, keeping everybody's brain working. I've never told anybody, don't take the vaccine. I'll give you all the information, but the decision is yours. They're sticking that in your body. So I'll give them all the information I possibly can. But it's your decision. So I never said do it or don't because that has to be your decision. Well, there's a lot of fake cards going around, too. I mean, that's that's the new hustle. Oh, yeah. I was in New York just a couple of weeks ago, and a guy was trying to sell me a vaccine card on the corner. I thought he was selling crack. He was like, yo, you want some? You want a card? And I was like, a card of what, LSD? He's like, no, a vaccine card. I could take you to a doctor that will give you one. You pay me this, and I'll take you to the right doctor. I'm like, dang. They're just selling it all over the place. So that's compliance, too, in some shape or form, and beating the system for just how long, right? How long? Some people have to fly under the radar for a while. You can be loud online. You can do that, but loud anonymously, perhaps. But some people must fly under the radar right now. I go to the hospital. I have to wear a mask. There are reports that uh, car accidents are up because of mask wearing. It'll go up. It'll obstruct vision. It'll fall glasses, but they don't want to talk about that. Who's driving the kids to school in the bus? Are they wearing a mask? That's not safe. It obstructs your vision. It does. It does. But nobody wants to talk about it, of course. No, nobody wants to talk about any of that. And nobody wants to talk about it. Um, So um, I'm going to put your your link up here to your campaign page. I'm really glad that you're on Telegram now and everyone can find you. Uh, for those of you that haven't uh, been introduced to Dr. John McGree, right? You need to see his full transcript 
uh, where he was, uh, he gave a deposition, right, on information he knew to Lynn Wood. And you should read that. I think Lynn Wood shared it. I will share it in uh, the Telegram chat, too, uh, for all of you to see. Um, I mean... Put it up recently. Yeah, he did. He shared it from Garrett. Some of the stuff Garrett. is coming up again, and people don't want to hear it. That's why there's been recent threats against me, and my car was tampered with. There's surveillance. It's, uh, it's not just what I'm saying. It's the money involved. And that has brought the cockroaches to the surface again. Yeah, I'm, and, and you know what? You're going to win. And the governor that's running, um, Sefik, did I pronounce that right? Carl Sefcik. Yes, Sefcik. He's with no party. He's independent it's, because he's just yeah. disgusted by everybody. I understand the sentiment. That makes it very difficult in Maryland. They have it rigged against anyone who's independent. He's got well, that's okay. You guys should team up. And- you guys should team up. That's all. He's a great guy. We are working yeah. together. Yeah, but that's the way it should be. They, they keep you separate. They do. They do. But uh, United, a united America is an unstoppable one. And what we need to do is figure out a way to unite people more. Not unite them under one mesmerizing trance, but unite them in empowerment and, and, and moving forward. I'm, I, I am so excited for the state of Maryland and the fact that they're, they could have you as a senator is incredible because you're a treasure trove of information and you actually understand what, what, what do do you are stepping into and how evil that place is. Well, that's fine. I've been living like that. We've had, we've had people walk around Baltimore campaign ads. It's like, I can do that. It's like, I'll show you where they legally held me. Then I'll show you the healthcare for the homeless. I'll show you the burned out building at old town plaza where I slept for three nights. I woke up to somebody beating me in the head with a piece of plywood. So I can show you those too. <laughs> and then I worked the way up from there. So we can do that. I've had tons of stuff. They take it away and I just do it again. So I'll walk through any pile in Congress or Senate. That doesn't scare me a bit. Yeah, it's 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 a we need to bring um the grace and honor of representing the people back. I think that's the most ideal thing to strive for, that we make it so that it's an honor to serve the people again. And um, I know I'm not a resident of Maryland, but I support you 1 million percent. I cannot wait to see you walk into the Senate along with other great people that some of them may be on listening to us right now and making that decision for themselves, right? So that we so can there, actually... There, there are. There have been a couple of people donated while we were talking. I say, thank you so much. If you can. And, uh, it is getting out and more people are learning. Maryland's worth fighting for. Some really good people there. Every every state is. And I'm just... I'm, I'm kind of jealous that Maryland has you and um, uh, the gentleman running for governor. I'm hoping to get him on too. Uh, because... This is what we need. We need more people to throw their hat in the race. We don't need CAA assets, right, like Dr. Oz. I mean, that guy's a performer, okay? We don't need stuff like that. We don't need any more actors. We got to dime We need actual people. We need the guy, uh, you know, on the corner that sells hot dogs in, from his cart. We need, you know, the mom that, you know, um, left her career to raise her kids. Uh, we need the retired grandma who was, you know, uh, 
a cook at a school for you know 40 years those are the people we need running uh so hopefully from the audience that we have and those that are going to listen to it will follow your lead well you said you said in the very beginning we need people who run retire how do you get past the stuff i think 2020 has changed you actually said people go to the senate they change i've seen it noticed it but that's different now i consider all that out the window after 2020 after what's been done and what's being done to us daily you get no consideration <laughs> you know you you've broken the system twisted it to where it's unrecognizable so don't think your same old same old is going to work and you're talking about Kyle having him on. That'd be great. He's fault for everything he's got. You got Tim, who's also running. Tim's a font of information around Maryland. He's helping out, which is wonderful. And you know, there's very good people in Maryland. Like I said, Maryland's worth fighting for. I've been all over it from top to bottom. And you know, I've, I've been, like I said, at Hopkins. Billion to my world-renowned institution. And a block and a half away in the burned-out buildings where I spent a few nights. So, you know, I've seen it top to bottom in Maryland. And I've been all over. You got people out in the western states who are, are so totally left out, they want to leave the state entirely. And so they get no benefit, and all their taxes go one way. So, yeah. <laughs> it's got to change. And Maryland has, even though it's a Democrat state, they have stepped up and made the decision to help you. We have uh, Ben Cardin, Senator, now. He's not up for re-election every two years, so he's Democrat. We at least need some balance. These incredible pendulum swings back and forth, people paying people back after an election, election has consequences. We're the ones getting screwed in the middle. We're getting crushed. Yeah, no, I agree. Stop. I agree. I agree. And, you know, right now they know that actors aren't going to take real, like the actual actors, like people like a Kanye or Beyonce can't run. And they know that any groomed individual is not going to run. They're saving any incumbents that they have under contract, right, to try to push them really hard. But now, you know, it was so weird that four weeks ago I was at a dinner. Oh, my gosh. It was in New York. And I was sitting with, my, with a bunch of lawyers, one of the best lawyers also in America. And we were eating dinner. And I said, you know, I'll be, I won't be surprised if they bring, like, the cast of Grey's Anatomy out and start running them for office because they played a doctor on TV. And then you hear about Dr. Oz, and I'm like, stop. This is not yeah. happening. <laughs> because, you know, everyone's scared of health, so they're going to want someone that panders to that feeling of, oh, he's a doctor. He knows. He'd be great. And I said that just out of irony, and look at it now. They went on Toller Fauci. That's what it is. You know, he's become a rock star, so you got the oh medical God. profession stepping forward. And he doesn't know half the stuff. Like if I sat down and asked him, give me the cell signaling pathway of this, you know, he'd look at me like whatever. And I'll say, okay, what is Yoda Kappa Kappa Beta in the cell signaling cascade? What does that identify as? Because that's very specific, right? And he'll probably just look at me like, well, anyone that is in immunology and virology would know exactly what that point is in the cascade, which blocks apoptosis, which induces furthering infection but he wouldn't know that because he doesn't he's just a paper pusher and he knows just enough to have a conversation you call him to the carpet with actual facts he has no idea what he's talking about well, that's what he, uh, that's what i said in maryland uh, i said you know something happens you know, COVID come in and hogan uh, i'm on top of it he's got to turn around to 30 different specialists that he doesn't understand what they're saying and then he's got to you know get a paper written up for him that he can read and that's supposed to instill confidence. 
And <laughs> one of the first things he did when COVID hit was shut down the homeless shelters. I work a lot with the homeless in, in, in and around Baltimore and throughout Maryland. And uh, he shut down on homeless shelters, took everything that was earmarked to go to homeless shelters and put it into these mobile hospitals and never got anybody. Never yeah. came back. Yeah, they, put all they, the homeless they, people in hotels, then kicked them out a couple months later. They do that. They shut them down. They shut homeless shelters down. They want to thin the herd, right? And this is how they're doing it while trying to make themselves as heroes because they're saving them from the thinning of the herd that they're causing. Regardless, Right now, what we need is that the people need to stop getting comfortable just because we get a few wins, just because they're seeing that people are resigning. These are, this has already been done since 2017. You know, every single action stopped at 2019. And it's now in the hands of the people, just like President Trump had said. I'm giving the power back to you. The people doesn't mean sit down and watch me do, right? Because, you know, he had snakes all around. It means help me. I need you to. I can't do this by myself. You know, and that's what we need to do. And I'm and I'm really excited. We're going to have some really good. It's going to be a it's going to be a very good 2022. Um, but I'll keep most of that to myself. You, you ever see the original Indiana Jones movie where he falls in the pit and he's surrounded by snakes? Trump presidency. There you go. That's, yep. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. But then all the people come and they raise him out of the pit. As he's fighting all of them, even though he's destroyed the majority, and then the people have flamethrowers and destroy it once and for all, so they can't re- respawn. <laughs> what like, what movie did you watch? They got out Not the side, went over, and blew up the airplane. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, okay, I'm gonna. I need to have you back on um, where we could we talk. Even, yeah, we didn't even get to talk about San Francisco or anything like that. I know. Oh, okay, terrible. let's talk about. San- well, do you want to come back or do you want to talk about it now? Like, I, I'm game either way. I can, I can do it in like 15 minutes if you want. Yeah, let's go. A lot of let's go. I want to hear everything about SFO. I mean, that's where Omicron made its landing, too. So, mm. at a children's center. So, mm. hey, this is why it's go. important we vaccine kids. So, let's go. Oh, please. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. There's a case in San Francisco that came up. This came up a few months ago. The judge took the case over in uh, January, and just like two months ago, uh, they found found almost seventy thousand Bitcoin the DOJ had in its possession that no one knew where it came from. We found them in a desk drawer. Okay, now you're talking over four billion dollars. Wow, worth of Bitcoin. And the judge went through everything, and he's now attached that case to the Silk Road case in Baltimore with the Albrecht and Silk Road and the corrupt Secret Service and DEA agents, things like this. Wasn't the DEA using Bitcoin to fund most of their operations? Well, they were stealing the Bitcoin from the losers, from the thieves, and then they were using it for illicit activities, right? Am I right? Well, uh, that happened, but they were manipulating cases. Uh, legal cases, forensically, to get a win, to have seized assets given over. And those assets were often converted to Bitcoin to launder it. Then it got worse where you had seizures of cash, illegal seizures from DEA drug busts, ATF busts, and the cash was skimmed off and given to these people to run through Bitcoin. came out squeaky clean. So they just kept buying Bitcoin with this legally seized money. So they would manipulate a case. Here's a legal case. Guy's tax evasion. Something like that. He's got a lot of money. He could fight it. 
and they plant child porn on his computer. Oh and, yeah, they do. And, and, yeah. and it'll and, and while he's in jail, it's probably still coming in like he's downloading it too. Right. Well, they can do that. And yeah, I know. They they can do it one time and make it look like you downloaded it over a two year period. They'll go so far as to say, okay, he works generally nine to five, so it's seven thirty after dinner. He's in this den, and all these downloads look like they happen at seven forty five. Oh wait, wait. Let me let me let me just explain to everybody. You remember when um, I was explaining at some point the study program where you like download and help them crunch data or kind of like you know minor fees? It's like a program that runs in the background. They can actually come in and make it look like they plant retroactively and while you're there to make it look like you're actually doing it, and you could never detect it. Keep going. And they manipulate now all of a sudden he's not facing just tax charge, he's facing child porn. Looking at prison time scares them to death. So they'll force a plea agreement where they'll leave that off the table because he's like, I don't do that. So you ever download a movie? Yeah. Well, sometimes they rename them. That's where it came from. You're guilty. So then this guy will plead you know, to avoid prison. He'll give up all the seized assets. And that's what they wanted. And we'll get a plea out of him, which covers their butt. And they take the money and run it into Bitcoin. So the judge out here has taken about 70,000 Bitcoin. What they're not aware of, what I just introduced, is there are five other wallets with almost as much in it. But there's others beyond that. The DOJ controls about 200,000 Bitcoin off the books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. About $11 billion. Well, that's how they paid off that supposed hack with the LNG pipeline, right? (laughs) And they can manipulate the market with it, yeah. And but to my mind, if you take images or video of a child being horribly abused and plant them on someone's computer, that's illegal. And to me, you're no different than a trafficker because you're doing it for profit. Doesn't matter if you're into that or not. To me, you're a trafficker and you're profiting from it. So anyone that did that should be tried for that. That's what I put into the court. And they should face charges. I have the lists of the cases that they manipulated, what they took, how they took it. They took mine. In 2009, they took my Bitcoin. I had almost 8,000 Bitcoin, which back then were worth a whopping 400 bucks maybe. But they're worth a lot more now. Yeah, because they knew. Worth, yeah, almost half a billion dollars now, <laughs> depending on the market. So, you know, with that kind of money involved, you think I could get an attorney. But I, I just put it in. So this is this is dirty money. This is not a legitimately seized DOJ account that they can you know, auction off whenever they want for their own benefit. This is the dirty money retirement fund of a bunch of dirty people at the top. DOJ, FBI, DEA, ATF, Secret Service. This is their dirty money retirement fund. This is why the threats are coming so hard and fast because they're protecting their dirty money and they want it. And so, 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 so let, let's just put it this way. So that's going to be coming to the surface because when the LNG pipeline was hacked, I was like, stop, it's not a hack. They paid in Bitcoin. That came from our government. <laughs> that was a payoff to a wallet. Um, you know, this is, this is stuff people don't hear about traditionally uh, because there's so many layers of corruption and theft and misappropriation. Can I ask you a question? Do you remember back in 2005 when ICE had a list of all those DOD, DOJ? I think I wrote an article about it just to immortalize that, um, where they had um, 
a list of all these people that were uh, exchanging child pornography. And then Obama came in and he squashed that team where they had, you know, generals, admirals, high level SESs uh, within the government. Do you remember that with ICE? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was ICE. passive. They were only recording who, who had where it went. And so they accumulated a massive list and uh, of people, very high privileged people, and they came in, and Obama took it and used the list himself. <laughs> right. And a lot of it made it to the DOJ, so they would know who to go over or go after on the dirty trick squad. They knew they were compromised already. It was easy to compromise them, more compromise a family member. So it was easy. It would be interesting. It would be very interesting if that list accidentally made it on some forum board or something in the recent future with names and crimes that the ICE agents had collected over time that Obama buried with his executive order on day one of his presidency. It would be so weird if that happened, right? Wouldn't it? But, I know. <laughs> it would. They're, they're so corrupt. <laughs> they, they steal anything. But this, the Bitcoin thing is their retirement fund. It's their laundered money fund. They steal everything. They stole this. When they came in, I had uh, quite a firearm collection. A lot of that had come from, like, my grandfather, his brother, my stepfather. You know, this is, like, war trophies and things. And there's one, uh, my grandfather, who, when he got out of the military after Korea, ran Edgewood Arsenal Aberdeen Proving Ground. And he bought one. It was a very rare Luger. Oh, wow. In the early 1900s. And it came in from, uh, I think it was Springfield Army. But it came in, and it was, it was two of them. It was, it was one that had never been touched, another one for parts, magazines, stuff like that. Never shot it, rare, uh, locked up. But it was pretty neat. I got to handle it as a kid, and I inherited it. So this is on all the court documents. Well, I got a receipt from the ATF showing it had been destroyed. I'm like, oh, are you kidding? It's historic. You know, it's a, but, well, about six months ago, it showed up for sale in Louisiana. <laughs> There's only like 10 of these things, so it's not like it's another one. Right. <laughs> yeah. So this is supposedly destroyed and, and confiscated thing is still there. So they steal whatever they want. Oh, they do. But, you know, it would be, like I said, it would really suck if that list came out, you know, that's verified ICE list, because ICE was protecting children. ICE was one of the leading agencies because most of them were coming through um, foreign nations, right? This is like the bread and butter of Epstein, right? He just didn't have to go through customs. <laughs> but uh, if that list went out and everyone saw that most of the people like, you know, I heard that there may be, I, I don't know, but maybe um, there's a few congressmen like, um, what's that guy's name? I'm trying to remember. I think I'm suing him. His name is Congressman Cohen. <laughs> I <want> to remember. <laughs> yeah, he might have been on the list. And I'm thinking this is a bona fide document that there's paper trail. And there's a lot of people out there right now that probably have their hands on it or had seen it in the past. I mean, it's quite recent. It's 2005, late 2005, almost 2006. So if someone had that copy... Um, you know, because they were interrogating people in 2006, 2007, right, 2008. And that's not thanks to Bush. It's thanks to his chief of staff, you know, that stood up to Mueller and Comey, right? And I think they actually set me up. Yeah, they set Comey up. They put him into HSBC and set him up with the cartels because that document was supposed to come out. It was supposed to roll out and they couldn't stop it. But 
Obama used his pen like five minutes into swearing in it. And it's like that document doesn't exist. And it would so be interesting if that document just randomly appeared as people are locked down again. And they see that the people locking him down may be on that list. It's so weird. I, I mean, how do, we, how do we get a document like that sourced in the court? How could the people go about and do it? The court Freedom of Information Act? <laughs> start just to get it on the record. So if they got like 5,000 requests to declassify the list of all the names of the people that were on the ICE list that I nicely cited in an article once upon a time a few years ago, uh, if they got maybe, I don't know, 5,000 FOIA requests, maybe someone gets a response? Well, it's possible. Or you piece it yeah. together for some redacted release. But also, I mean, you're doing it for the good of the children. So the, the submission should be written in those terms that, you know, the, this was uh, offenders who are continuing to offend. You don't have to necessarily name anyone. You can just <laughs> put down what documents you're looking for. If you put down big names, it scares people off. Exactly. So if you just put down that you're there to help the children, of course, and it would be ultimately because these are abusers who are still abusing because they got away with it. Yeah. So, you know, there might be some um, prosecutions that they can reference that may be in an article somewhere online. So you would suggest that they say, you know, uh, child trafficking is a big proponent, um, you know, a big problem within our nation and the world plaguing us. And uh, like you said, very eloquently put that I think it would be important that this list be declassified. It's over, you know, 15 years old. You know, maybe we can take a gander and take a look. It's, I think it would be 17 years in January. Right? Paid for by tax dollars. It, it was not, exactly. It has not borne any fruit or return on the investment. It has not protected anyone, especially the children. So this certainly should come to light now. Yeah, and, 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 and it'll be 17 years to the day on January 17th um, that um, the program was deployed. It was actually signed on December 22nd, uh, 2000. And three, if I'm not mistaken, and the operation began in 2004. Am I right? I'm, I'm, I, yeah, that's it. 2004. So that yeah, would be 17 years. I mean, why not? It would be pretty a cycle. I think I'm getting my. I have it in the article, but I think that's good. I think yeah, people should be asking for things. Anything, I and mean, they can ask for the crypto stuff too, right? You can ask for anything. I mean, was denying articles say we can't do it this or that part can't be, but this one could be. I mean, to start the process, if nothing else, they give you an acknowledgement that it does exist. They're just not going to release it, and then you can refine it, <laughs> get some of it. So it lets you know that you're on the right track and it's there. Yeah, I, 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 I believe that I, I think it would be a great way for people to kind of bring change. Um, are, do you know if any of those wallet addresses are public anywhere? Um, because, you know, I... I I'm such an amateur when it comes to cryptocurrency. I deal with meme coins. I don't know much. But um, if there was a wallet address, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that listen and um, have, you know, might ask for it. The uh, I don't know. Maybe I was talking about. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. If there's an address. Uh, they can so that one's <laughs> listed on in the uh, court documents. And, and and that's filed in San Francisco. Do you have like a case number? Sure. One second. I hope it'll drop you out. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Because I think people should cite that case number in a FOIA request and ask them to find who has command of that wallet. And it's very easy because you can find access IPs to the wallet. 
Yeah, it is uh, ready to copy. It is three, so we call in 20. CV, civil case, of course. Mm-hmm. Number is 07811. 07811. This is the United States of America versus approximately 69,370 Bitcoin, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin SV, and Bitcoin Cash. You know, it reminds me of a really old song. What you just told me. Um, let me, let me, let me, let me just play a few bars before they, uh, you know, they tell me. Oh, it's uh, what is it called? The uh, copyright. This one. You know the song. <laughs> Sounds like Rico, doesn't it? Well, I don't know what it is, but it's going to be my new ringtone. <laughs> I think it's a Rico Suave, right? Yeah, it is. You remember that? Rico, Rico, Rico. My racketeering. <laughs> you know, it's. I think that should be the theme of 2022. I don't know. I'll know on my New Year's Day episode if it's going to be the, the theme of 2022. Maybe we can have, like, the theme song. The theme song for... Um, what is it? Uh, 2021. If you were to say, uh, think about it. If you were to give a song for 2021, what would it be? <laughs> well, speaking of ringtones, let's tell you this one probably work. Uh, uh, there's a song uh, by Peaches called Something the Pain Away. And uh, I used to have unusual ringtones for people. Uh, this was actually a ringtone for a guy I could not stand. So every time he would call, I would know it was him. That went off in church once. So now I have very standard ringtones. So if you want to look that song up, you'll, you'll know what happened. But, but it's also a good song for <laughs> the uh, COVID year we've all experienced. So since Yeah, no, I, I, for me, it would be Wicked Games. You know, the song, What a Wicked Thing to Do. Yeah, actually, I should play that for my outro because that is it. Yeah, well, we're. Mm-hmm. And we are falling in love with their narratives, every single one of it. Whatever they're dishing down the throat, we're falling in love with it. It makes me ill. It does. It does. It's, it's quite. <laughs> as far as the song I chose, I was referring to everybody being locked down for a year. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was 2020. We had it was like a historian's wet dream, right? We had the Spanish flu. We had the race wars. In the same exact place that they were in 1918, 1919, which is Chaz, right in Seattle. They had race wars. Spanish flu. We had the Dust Bowl. We had deadly locusts. I mean, they threw everything at us. If I was a historian, I'd be like, whoa. I'm like, damn. This is a historian's wet dream. Because watching (laughs) It's just everything. Everything. They threw everything at us. Um, On that note, John, I want to thank you so much for coming on Uh, to the show. Oops. Uh, Everyone everyone that... um, knows you knows you from twitter with your little piggy picture i was actually i don't have twitter i've been banned from there a few times and i'm just gonna take a i mean it's done we already know it was never an independent social media platform and it you know darpa created it and just put dorsey in the front and said you could be rich on other things you let us handle this um so <laughs> so I was like, time to retire. <laughs> Just gonna say that's not actually a piggy. That's me. The abuse was horrific. <laughs> so, 
No. <laughs> I was you were my favorite account to watch because you know, I, I come off very um blunt because after some point you give zero cares right, of what anyone has to say, especially when you know that at this point and and that dynamic that we had under the Trump administration, they couldn't touch whistleblowers. It was very difficult. Silent whistleblowers or 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 more quiet ones that weren't as loud and aggressive and those that didn't file stuff in cases, because you know, the minute I was outed, I was filing cases, a DEA, drug smuggling, human smuggling, child smuggling. I was filing against sheriffs, AGs, and there was paper trail. So sometimes when you make paper trail, that's one of your biggest safeguards because all you need is one person to start asking questions and that sets a firestorm off and that could turn out really ugly for people especially if there's save everything yeah and especially if there's dead man switches and they don't know where they are they've been looking for a while i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure but you know i never have anything in my possession but everyone seemed to know that i had a special hard drive with me while i was in dc and i was very smart to have it always on me and no one could see it. So fantastic. Um, so thank you. And now I'm going to play some Chris Isaac uh, on my own. And in the meantime, we are many, they are few, and they can't stop what's coming. So they can take their time with it. But I can tell you that regardless, we win. The point is, will you, will you want it to happen faster? God bless. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. Thank you. Thank everyone. you. Bye bye.
Strange what desire will make foolish people do. 